Hey y'all, Akshay in the editing room here. Just a couple of quick notes before we get to today's 100th episode of Scions of the Southland. Uh, thank you so much for your support over the last few years while we've been doing this. It's been really fun to put this show together every week and, and really get to the nitty gritty about tech sports wherever they're being played. Uh, and Jake and I really appreciate the feedback that you've given us and, and all the love. Uh, secondly, thank you to everyone at From the Rumble Seat that helped put this show together. It was really fun to listen to everyone's stories and reminisce about some of these really awesome moments uh, in tech sports history. Uh, and we hope you enjoy listening to it. All right, cue the intro. As the first part of the Scions episode 100 special, I am looking for words to say. We have Mr. Jake Patterson, uh, lifelong tech fan, but now a UNC student, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. We obviously know you, but the listenership doesn't know you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became a tech fan, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Jake Patterson. I'm, uh, I used to do the technical tidbits before I got to college um, at Chapel Hill, uh, which it is my state school because I'm from Western North Carolina, right below Asheville. And so I grew up a lot of, around a lot of people who were Clemson football fans in the fall and then UNC basketball fans That's in the winter. That's disgusting. So it's been, yeah, it's been great getting to know, uh, know, know some of those people here. Um, at Chapel Hill, I um, longtime tech fan because my granddad went to Georgia Tech back in the 1950s. My dad went to a small private school in Florida. My mom doesn't really care about sports, so it was just natural. I became a Georgia Tech fan, and mm-hmm. after a long and winding road, I'm here at UNC, but I still got a soft spot for Georgia Tech. They they taught me how to lose, which was really nice. Like I learned how to <laughs> oh, lose no. and feel bad <laughs> with Georgia Tech sports. Uh, surely rooting for UNC football has had a totally different experience in 2021. Yeah, that $120 I spent to watch the Duke's Mayo Bowl was not not a great investment. Uh, at least I got to see Shane Beamer take a Mayo bath. Like, that's really – that game didn't happen. Mayo bath did happen. That's, that's how I look at it. The Mayo bath is a great gifable moment of this season. <laughs> For uh, it, it's funny we haven't recorded the rest of the episode yet, but there's absolutely a line in the shot sheet where we're talking about uh, we're talking about track. Um, and I'm already going to decide that for the next year I will call South Carolina Carolina just because of the outcome of that bowl game. But uh, I will do I it just because he was that. willing to take a mail back. He, he he like was like, all right, I'm I'm here for it. He also got dinged by the by the uh, container as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair. To be fair, I think Mac Brown did did agree as well. He was like, "I'd, oh, I'd yeah. take a frying pan to the face if it meant we could win a football." That's what I'm. I like that vibe. I like that energy. You know, Heisman esque right there. True. Football I guy. It would have been really funny to see someone get hit with a frying pan. Let's be clear. <laughs> Mayo, I, big steel plate. You know, a cast iron, different than steel. <laughs> cast iron. Oh, it's all so seasoned you, and stuff too. So you made it to Charlotte, maybe not for maybe not for that uh, 
championship game like people would have thought at the end of the year. But uh, you said you're a, a Western a Western Carolina guy, I, not Western Carolina, the school, but mm-hmm. you know. um, so I guess having lived in Chicago and, and Atlanta my whole life, like how's it been like in terms of like access to sports? Like, do you, you come to Atlanta for games, you go to Charlotte or Raleigh or, or Durham, Chapel Hill. Like what, what does that look like? It, 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 I have to imagine it'd be a pretty big event when you, when you a lot of driving, I imagine too. Yeah. Very much a large amount of driving just because it's like, if I want to go to Charlotte, it's two hours minimum, right? And Atlanta's three hours from my house. Raleigh Durham's four hours. So really? a game or a tech event was a, it was like a big deal. So my family, we would typically only go to two or three, maybe one or two more like it, tech football games per year. And then if tech was playing in the triangle against either UNC or Duke, we'd, we'd uh, we went to a couple of Duke games, uh, you and like maybe 100 other games. people. Oh yeah, no, it was it was kind of sad, really. Like if they weren't a private it, that's just I I could hear myself thinking that stadium. And that's just emblematic yeah. of Duke University as a whole, I feel like, and I can go on a whole Duke hating tangent. But it it was very much like had to get up at 6:30 or 7 in the morning to get to Atlanta for a game day because, you know, 12:20 start time typically. Um, 30 baby. <laughs> and so really like made all of my tech games special just because I would go with my dad always and dad. And then sometimes we'd take some family friends. Um, I was at the Citadel game in 2019 because one of my best friends from high school goes to the Citadel now. And so he was there bum, bum, and he bum, was bum. running that in my face. Yeah. So it's really, it really made all tech and sporting events special just because like it was a trip. It was a chore. It wasn't a, ch- well, it was a chore whenever <laughs> tech lost. Um, but it just made me value it more instead of just being like, Oh, I get to, I can walk 10 minutes from my apartment, get to the game. Yeah. So all right, you have one more thing. I was going to use a transition and and Jake, the elder here was about to make an edgewise case here. Yeah, I, I was going to say that that seems like a, a shot of, across the bow at, at me and Akshay who both live a 10 minute walk from, from tech, but, um, they're still yeah. special. They're just, well, I, you know, a different definition of the word special. Yeah, you get to do it all the time. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I didn't even go to the game last night. I was making soup. Couldn't go to the game. Are you kidding me? Gotta gotta attend, gotta attend bar, gotta attend soup bar sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Not to derail us too bad. Let let's get so the, the topic of the jour is top tech moments, TTM. You pick the 2014 game versus Clemson. Uh, that was a 28-6 win for Tech, a ranked Georgia Tech team that ended up 9-2 uh, and two after that game, Orange Bowl at the end of the season, yada, yada, yada. Um, at, speaking of kickoff times, by the way, this was a nooner. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember pulling this up. Uh, this was, I guess, the fall before I started Tech. Um, it, this was a nooner on, in mid-November. It was, it was cold. 90, it was 90% freezing cold. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got I've got an interesting thing to point out there because it's been sitting in the back of my head and I've been work looking to work this in. Akshay and I are both older than you, right? You're, you're freshman in chapel. Yeah, yeah. But it's very interesting that you picked a game like Tech was nowhere near my radar <laughs> when this happened. And because this was a year before you, because this was a year before you watched Miracle on Techwood Drive and applied like basically the next day. 
Yeah. So anyways, it's very interesting. Like you're younger, but like, honestly, way older in your, in your time. You picked a game that, that, yeah, you picked a game that kind of outstrips both uh, Jake and I's fandoms. Cause I didn't grow up a tech fan. You did. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the experience. Tell us a little about the day. Yeah. So I, I just remember we, we drove in the night before and actually the hotel that we were staying at also hosted the Auburn band, which was going to play at Georgia that night. I think it, I don't know if it was college game day, but it was like Auburn UGA night game. It was the game that Nick Chubb or someone tore their ACL. I just distinctly remember that watching, mm. watching on the TV. Um, so we got up early in the morning and it was freezing cold. Like it was, it was it probably 30 degrees, 32 degrees. And me being 11 years old, I had not prepared in the slightest for that temperature. Different so shorts, of, right? I was in pants. I was in sweatpants, but I just had a weird like pullover on, right? That was good basically for like 55 degrees plus. So I was freezing cold and it was me and my dad. We went to the game. My parents, I think my sister and my mom like did some errands, well, errands in Atlanta, quote unquote. And we, we get to the game and it's packed, right? And most of the people at the game, unfortunately, were Clemson fans. It was a very orange crowd. Which I mean, I I wasn't surprised by. I don't think anyone's surprised that Clemson took over Bobby Dodd, uh, and and it was a good game for me to go to because this was the first time in my life that Georgia Tech had really had football success. And all of my friends, or a lot of my friends, were Clemson football fans, right? So they were all excited. I was going to the game because they were like, "You're going to lose. It's going to be a murder. It's going to be a beatdown." So we're sitting there in the cold, and then Georgia Tech just decides to like show up. Yeah. and play yeah. amazing football. It helped that Deshaun Watson got hurt and Cole Stout had to come in. I think he threw a pick six to Chris Milton. It was like a 95 Jamal Golden is what Jamal I Golden. see. Golden. But yeah, it was Jamal Golden. Yeah, but same, same. It, it was at that point I realized like, wow, I might have a fun Monday at school. This might be a good time. <laughs> I might be wearing my tech jersey, yelling at everyone. This might be a good time. And then just the game, I was freezing my butt off drank at least two or three of those hot chocolates and the souvenir cups just to try yes. and stay warm. Oh yes. yeah. And it was, it was a lot of fun mainly because I was with my dad and like seeing him be super happy. Cause he didn't really experience a lot of tech football success since 2008. Um, and just experiencing that with him being cold, which made it more fun just because we were dominating Clemson. And then having that gratification that on Monday morning at Hendersonville Middle School, I could go off on all the Clemson fans and I'd have everything to back it up. God, yes. It's interesting hearing you talk about like your dad kind of living the the vicariously through through like his dad's school and stuff like that, because honestly kind of parallels like my coming up. My my mom went to Indiana, you know, the the Mm -hmm. worst power five banners, baby banners. Yeah, I, basketball great but you know terrible <laughs> football my dad's school didn't have football so like I guess I didn't really have the same outlet of like the grandfather's school kind of thing but like mm-hmm. you know like that's how I picked up my my basketball uh, at least is like experiencing it through through them so no definitely yeah. definitely cool to hear that and um I did have one uh question for you um was there like a point where you knew it, it was going to be a win or was it just kind of like, okay, we keep building, we keep building. We keep I feel building. like this is preying on, on a, a Atlanta sports, uh, Atlanta sports <laughs> moment here. 
he's from Carolina and I'm from Chicago. There, we outweigh your like uh, superstition. Anyway, Braves World Series winners doesn't matter anymore. Absolutely. Um, I think it was. I, I hate to say it because up until the point that Deshaun Watson got hurt, I knew I, I was pretty convinced it would be a very close game just because he he's just worlds better than even though Tech's defense was great that year, mm-hmm. just worlds better than most quarterbacks they, they'd have to face uh, outside of probably Dak Prescott, you know, a month later. Up until that point, I was expecting a close game, and it was a close game. And then whenever Cole Stout came in and threw, like, three or four passes, I kind of realized, like, oh, this guy's not very good. <laughs> if the offense can just score some points – Tech would be fine. And then Jamal Golden had like the 90 yard pick six. And it was at that moment I was like, okay, this is this is gonna be a lot of fun. This is this is gonna go in very well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really weird to, to look or weird, not the right word. It's very interesting to look at the advanced box score because I have it pulled up in a tab here. And you see, excuse me, you see uh Deshaun Watson comes out of the game uh with two minutes left in the first quarter. And so it's Cole Stout run for five yards, Cole Stout run for one yard. Jamal Golden, 85-yard interception return for touchdown. So yeah. it turns yeah. like this. Mm-hmm. Because, and mm-hmm. you're looking at that, just to get nerdy here for a second, you're looking at that interception return having a, like a 30-point win probability swing <laughs> on that alone. Because Clemson came in mm-hmm. favored, right? Clemson yeah. was favored by, well, just one and a half, but also they're an away favorite, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so they were ranked it's, higher, it's, I think. Yeah. 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 So I have 19 versus 22. Um, yeah. So it, it just swings like that, uh, and then it's back to a coin flip at, at Tech six, Clemson three, and and uh, Jake the older and I looked at looked at the boxer and looked through the highlights trying to figure out why they ended up going for two on after the interception. It turned out what to be a blown hold, right? So that's they, what we were talking about. Yeah, I think that's what we. Yeah, because uh, that we actually went back into the. Rumble seat game thread. We were like, this guy's <laughs> elsewhere. Maybe uh, Chow was the holder. Maybe he got in like secretly and blew it. You never know. That's that's I, what I I'm fairly sure it was Rodwell. I'm fairly it was, sure. it was certainly Rodwell, but like that would be that would have just been the icing on the cake right there. Oh yeah. The uh, the greater from the rumble seat extended universe, you know. The from the rumble seat <laughs> cinematic universe really has its roots everywhere, you know. Oh, absolutely. We're in all really the portions of the tech fan base and uh, the moments. So I got to ask, um, obviously you're at UNC now. What, what did, what did the mayhem at Mercedes Benz or that basketball game, I guess being two opposite yeah. sides of the coin, right. With a, a, a UNC basketball win and a tech football win. What did that like do to you? Like, how did you feel? Like, what was that like? It was kind of surreal because I went with my campus ministry and we were on a beach retreat and so we were all watching the game the mayhem at Mercedes-Benz Stadium TM best stadium in the world ever it is the best stadium in the world I will not hear that snark by the way (laughs) best stadium in the world by far continue um and so it was very much like I wanted UNC to win just because like I'm here I wanted to go to the ACC championship game that's whenever I still had a little bit of hope but I wasn't mad at the end of the game, if that makes sense. Like typically like after the South Carolina win, I wanted to clean house, fire everyone. I still kind of do. Um, and after a couple of losses, 
or South Carolina lost, I'm sorry. And then like Florida state lost for UNC football earlier this year. I was, I was typical, like sports fan, not happy, mad yeah. after the tech, after tech beat UNC in football, it was kind of like, eh, I yeah. I mean, you got, okay. you got it's the, not, like, it's the two extremes canceled out, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's the two sides yeah. of, the same, of the same coin. They both, you have euphoria of what this could mean for tech, which, spoiler ah. alert, not, uh, not a ton. Um, and then <laughs> what it means for UNC, which actually turned out to be quite a yeah. lot. But we're still those right. two extremes yeah. just bring it back to a happy medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and same thing with the basketball game. It was one of those I was I was studying for finals because I had my Spanish final the next day at 8 a.m. So I was like following the game, didn't watch it. And, and it was one of those like wanted Carolina to win. But obviously, if they hadn't, would have been too angry. But since they did win, I was happy, but not like, yeah, yeah. go, you, you know, all that stuff. It's kind of like, yeah, we won. Good. I'm glad this happened. You're uh... you know? You're a better man than me. I, I remember the uh, 27 NIT, uh, 2017 NIT uh, we hosted against Indiana in the first round. And I, I was like, Mom, we're going to win. My brother goes there, too. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to win, blah, blah, blah. You guys didn't even want to host. Like we, That is true. Stuff. They did not want to host. And Tom Green <laughs> did get fired after that game. He <laughs> sanctify Assembly Hall or whatever. Like, yeah, we'll take that mm-hmm. home. But, but yeah, yeah whatever. Me, so hey, well, this Saturday might be different. Yeah, there's another one of those this Saturday at 8 p.m. Yeah. I think that's on ACC Network. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, if, if yeah, you're in the I, building, I, 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 think, I think it turns a little. It's going to be different. It's going to be yeah. very different. Yeah, and especially like, it's just the atmosphere inside inside the Dean Dome is wonderful. It is it is a great place to watch a basketball game just because it's so. I mean, like. Growing up a tech fan, obviously, because I was so into the sports and surrounding myself with like y'all, I was mm-hmm. passionate about the sports, but like at the football games and at the basketball games, I was never, I guess, I never felt the entire place hype, quote unquote. Yeah. At McCamish or at, uh, at McCamish or, and at Bobby Dodd. McCamish. I'm going to have to get the pronunciation right on that eventually. My bad. My bad. Um, and, and it's uh, there, it was never like, hype start to finish right it, you yeah. know there's mm-hmm. apathetic people people but at unc especially at the dean dome it's just crazy the entire time i mean just loud things like that and, and there are a lot more people in the arena as well um because the capacity i think is twenty two thousand. yeah it's so it times. is a different atmosphere i've learned a lot to, like there's so much more caring about athletics i guess is the right word yeah. Hey, and I'll note that, like, I don't disagree uh, about about McCamish, about Bobby Dodd. And it's one thing I've learned since I graduated that, like, there's things that you just can't, uh, for lack of a better word, pull off when you're not in a student section. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. people aren't yeah. Into it, like, oh, and let's be clear. Jake has pulled off a lot of stuff in a student <laughs> section. <laughs> um, I've seen the Louisville video. Oh, no, no, no. It was Duke. It was Duke. Oh, Duke. Yeah. yeah OK, yeah. Uh, featured on ESPN, but um, you know, like it, it, I no, I agree. And uh, hey, not that I say I, I hope you have an enjoyable game, but you know, when when you got a man on the inside, it it's yeah. the same. It's similar to how I feel about Louisville these days. It's like I didn't, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, and but uh, you want your team to win, but like if they lose, like yeah, 
it's not the end of the world. It's very different from a loss from the loss to like Notre Dame because I was like fuming mad after UNC lost to Notre Dame Wednesday night, and I'm sure y'all probably as well uh-huh. last night. Yeah, it'll be different if we do yeah. lose, and hopefully though that won't be the case, right? Right? <laughs> we'll see. Well, well, Jake the Younger, thanks for coming on. Thanks for participating in our in our hundredth episode special. With yeah. You know, Hopefully we can have you on a couple more times. For number two, session two of our Science of the Southland episode 100 special, we have Robert Binion, owner and proprietor of the Binion Index. Robert, how are you doing on this Sunday afternoon? Doing well. It's sunny. It's, uh, it's nice outside. Went for a walk, went to the park, and excited to talk a little bit of football. Absolutely. Well, excited to talk about Georgia Tech football is, uh, you know, interesting, uh, interesting sentiment as of late, I will say. (laughs) It's nice to look at the past. It it is. So uh, tell us before we get to the game that we want to talk about or your top tech moment, which spoiler alert for everyone listening, that will be the 2008 Georgia game. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your your background as a tech fan, all that sort of stuff. Sure. Yeah, I was. Born and raised in uh, Atlanta suburbs. My granddad went to Tech in the 50s. My dad and mom both graduated in the early 80s. And so I was born without any choice whatsoever about whether I was going to care about football and who I was going to cheer for. Uh, My first memory of being in a game, I think I was four, and I didn't miss a game for about 15 straight years at one point. A home game. A home game. so, uh, yeah, grew up deeply immersed in it, uh, have been pouring over box scores for as long as I can remember. And now we have way better box scores, courtesy of Akshay and friends. And uh, it's fun to, to look back on uh, a time when uh, we were just excited about where we were. It was it was unexpected in 08 in a lot of ways. Uh, and well, just for more context, that was my uh, that was my senior year at Tech. I started in 05. So 08 was my last fall. We'd had two really heartbreaking losses to Georgia in 05 and 06. They beat us pretty bad in 07 when they were probably playing better than anybody towards the end of the year and uh, did not want to go out uh, of college without beating them a single time. So uh, that, that was kind of some of the emotional lead up to why this game was, was so much fun. Um, it's interesting that you contrast that with like going out of college without uh... – uh, without seeing a win as being the big concern because I, I got spoiled, right? I, I, I came to school in 2016. We won the first year and I was like, this, this is great. This is easy. <laughs> it's going to happen every time. <laughs> and, you know, I've just had a great existence since. So, but I, I feel kind of the inverse of that, at, at least in my experience. But so I, I guess my contrast to that is I guess I started being a fan sort of around 2014, right around when I got accepted. So I got that, 2014 win and then I was in school for the 2016 win but then in between and after that it's just kind of been eh, well you tried <laughs> so so did you go did we try I don't know try is definitely a verb that you could use to describe the efforts yes <laughs> I take it you were in Athens then for the game in 08 I was so I we drove over about seven in the morning it was my dad my brother and then two of my closest uh friends from gt that was our that was our crew for the day we found a 
uh, uh, anonymous concrete structure in downtown Athens to park and drink a Miller Lite and then wander over to the stadium. Nice. That sounds like most people in Athens. <laughs> there are a lot of anonymous concrete structures in that city. <laughs> yeah. Hey, or you could find an anon- anonymous ditch. That w- that's what we did the last time we were up there. <laughs> I think the so I I did the trip in 2016 because I, I I had a bunch of people that I went to high school with that that went there. Uh, just like everyone that grows up in the suburbs that it just happens that way. Right. Um, and we ended up going to, I think we, we ended up hanging out at a couple of tailgates. I think we were at his fraternity house for the longest time and just seeing the difference in how their campus is laid out. It's all it's very sprawly, honestly, yeah. for as small of a city as Athens is the campus is very sprawly compared to tech, which is just, crammed into this like barely I, jake will probably know the actual square footage but it's just like such a small space in town uh actually one thing that they do teach us in, in mechanical engineering is units and i definitely would not use square feet uh as my unit of choice i've that. been thinking about real estate lately all right so it's on my mind uh going for condo number uh seven eight ten House five okay, look look i have to fund donations to the athletic department somehow all right yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but uh, not to get too far off off the beaten path, was it uh, was it your first game in Athens you've been to, or did you grow up going? Oh, oh no, a long time. Uh, it was probably my ninth or tenth, I would guess. Uh, so my yeah, my my mom's side of the family are all Georgia fans, and so our normal tradition for Thanksgiving was her dad would drive up and stay with us for a few nights and then he would drive everybody over to Athens on Saturday morning and he would sit on his side of the stadium and my dad and I would sit on our side and then we'd meet up afterwards and he was happier more often than we were but we had a few fun ones uh 98 and 2000 were, were pretty awesome uh but yeah it was was pretty uh well versed in the uh Stanford Stadium scene by then God, that thing is massive like I, I'm looking through the ESPN box score too and it it lists the capacity as of oh wait as ninety two thousand seven hundred whatever. But you just look at the picture that they provide. It's like three decks. Each they one had goes up. Finished that six hundred level that year, I think. I mean, it's like a mile up in the air. It's a terrible place to watch a football game. They put. I think they put all the students up there too. Yeah, they put like a bunch of students up there. I've heard so many complaints about them being stuck in like really, really crappy seats. That's uh, a, an interesting conundrum that like Clemson has too, because they put half their section down in that prime, you know, the, the, the stupid hill with the not all hill part, you know, that whatever. Uh, the Howard's they, Rock Hill. Yes. And then they stick the rest of them up in that upper left corner. And it's like, well, you can have a really good football team, but if you're one of these like casual borderline folks, you know, if you go to a game, you're just going to be like put in the middle of nowhere. Like it, it's kind of a disincentive disincentive going but um i think that's something that we do well like on principle on paper i think yeah. that's something we do really well and that we give students that entire end zone and that but but it's like a good ten thousand seats ten thousand ish seats right that that students have access to whether those get filled or not so i say like different story but we provide all of that space, all that prime space that tech could be making a bunch of money off to students. So I think that's actually really well done for student experience at games. So Robert, were you all the way up in the 600s for this game or? Uh, we were in the, we were in the threes. So uh, the, the mid tier 
I, I think Tech got like one corner in the hundred level, and then we were in the three hundreds above that kind of section where the band was. Gotcha, gotcha. Of course, they stuck like, the band in the upper corner. Uh, were were those like your usual spots, or did you kind of like? If I recall, we were somewhere different almost every year. I, I think they, I think Athens kept changing where the visitor allotments were going to, and eventually. It got, so the last time I was there was 2012 because then I moved away and, you know, life is crazy. But in 2012, we were in the 300s, but we were on the exact opposite corner. So they, I don't know, they were doing some musical chairs of where the visitors were over a number of years. Gotcha. Um, kind of pivoting, like, just at least a little bit to, to the game play, Um like, do you have any specific recollections, like walking through the game or, or like moments that stood out to you? Yeah. So I remember walking to the stadium and I was thinking, I was honestly thinking we didn't have a chance. Uh, it's interesting looking at this. Georgia was only favored by two and a half. I, I would have guessed it would have been 10 or 14, at least looking back. They were they were number one preseason that year. Uh, you know, it was Matthew Stafford was kind of the anointed number one pick in the draft. I looked it up. They had 26 NFL players on their roster, and we had what was maybe our most talented roster in recent memory, and we only had eight. So it's one of those, like, man, I love what Paul Johnson's doing year one. This is so much fun, but this is about to be ugly. We just can't compete with them athletically. So it was kind of a, a, a walk-in, enjoy the day. Anything that happens good football-wise is kind of gravy on top, but I really had pretty low expectations. And then we start out. It, it, it was weird. Offense couldn't do anything. Score on a pick six to kind of stay in the game early. But Stafford threw four touchdowns in the first half. And I remember walking that that concourse just thinking, the offense is going to get better, but how in the world are we ever going to stop this guy? I mean, it, it was like, well, it was like the past defense from this year, basically every game. And he just had no, no hope at all that uh, anything was going to change there. So get back to the seats after halftime, and that's when the, the fireworks just absolutely started to go off. It was insane for about 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah, th- this is something that we were talking about before we hit record, but this game, all of the advanced stats, all of the win probability charts and everything look very similar to something you might see today or like a really good game that you might see today. And it's just re and I, I guess part of that is due to Stafford being an NFL quality quarterback, which how good of an NFL quality quarterback is kind of up to your interpretation. Uh, but it, but you're looking at both teams being positive EPA tech, having six and a half overall Georgia, having 14, you mentioned before we started recording, if you look at the EPA without explosive plays, tech is down at negative 17, Georgia's at two. So you're talking about sort of the similar offensive consistency. I mean, like similar offensive consistency to the today. And we all know like, Advanced stats in general notoriously hated the option (laughs) and that bears out here so much in a lot of different ways. The, I mean, the the play that, you know, sets things off is the first play out of the half. Uh, I think they, I think the kickoff went out of bounds. And so we had good field position and then Dwyer goes 60 in six seconds. And it's like, okay, we might have ourselves a game. And then we hit a, you know, hit a two point conversion get the ball right back, go on a, our one kind of methodical drive for the day, 
uh, score again, get another two pointer, and it's tied. You know, five minutes after I had been moping around the, the concourse level, it's like what in the world just happened? And then Georgia fumbles the kickoff, and so we go up by seven, and it couldn't have been more than five minutes of game time for that massive of a swing to happen. So yeah, I mean, looking at this win probability chart, Georgia was ninety six percent right around halftime, and the next thing you know, Texas close to eighty. I mean, it just. It's the way we love it. That's the uh, you got to rip their rip their hearts right out of their chest. Great just, fun. I just learned this right now. I never knew Blair Walsh was a UGA guy too. The more you know, that's um, why you doinked a couple of field goals for Vikings. <laughs> uh, what, TCF Bank Stadium, man. No. Um, uh, shoot, I was going to take a left turn here. Oh, okay. This game, obviously, did not see it live. I was a ten-year-old kid in Chicago the day after. Thanksgiving or, or two days after Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. It was not watching Indiana plan. Purdue instead. Honestly, <laughs> um, but uh, but my exposure to this game, the couple different sources, obviously, once I got here, heard about, you know, breaking the streak and whatnot. Um, Carter's top 10 of the last 10 that he did uh, for Paul Johnson's uh, 10th anniversary season was was obviously key too. But one thing that stuck, uh, stuck out to me was when I got into the Ramblin' Rec Club in the garage, there's this T-shirt hung up that says, the redneck apocalypse. <laughs> was that a thing that like people were saying? Like, I, or is that just some guy made a shirt with like a weird saying on it? Like, I've never heard that before. All right. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't, like Rec Club is known for this stuff. They're just making T-shirts that no one else knows about. So I'm it not like surprised at all. Or commemorative, like, you know how they make like the seasons. Huh. Like, I, I don't know, but I, I'm glad I've never used it in an article because I've, I've never had the balls to do that. But uh, I, I got one of those, you know, scoreboard commemorative T-shirts from this game, and it definitely didn't say that on it. So that must have been a, a limited production run there. I'm learning on Google now while Who's looking this? for this shirt. It's the Redneck Apocalypse is the name of a uh, of a book series. Huh. Okay. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to have to dig deeper into that one later on, but it is apparently a book series. So I don't know, but it, this game, it set a lot of narrative tones for the Paul Johnson era, right? You, you talk about someone just rolling in, rolling in with a new style of offense, something that was a little quirky, was derided as high school, but he immediately hit the ground running. Um, and I think that's something really special that we saw in, in a way. Obviously, again, I didn't see it. Jake didn't see it. But this is something that we got, people Georgia Tech got to experience in 08 right off of the bat. And I remember the post game so vividly, too. I mean, we're sitting in the crawling traffic out of Athens and listening, going back and forth between the radio stations. And <laughs> you've got, uh, you know, Eric Dyer on 750, who I, I really think he may have been in tears. And over and over, it's just like, how did we lose to a high school offense? Which, you know, we completed one pass on the day. You understand why you might have said that. But uh, there was just this despair that something could have happened to them, to, you know, high and mighty Matthew Stafford-led Georgia. And then on the other station, you've got Paul Johnson saying, yeah, you know, I expect to do this again. And he did. You know, he won twice more in Athens. Uh, he, he won more than he lost there. And there was something, uh, just a confidence that exuded from him and a fear on the other side that, you know, I hadn't seen. Well, 2000, they were afraid of us, and they fired their coach, and then Rick turned things around real quick. But uh, the 
the, the, just the emotional tenor on both sides swung so much that day. It was wild. Mm-hmm. I, I think this, this line from the recap, the AP recap kind of sums it all up for that season for them. Like Georgia nine and three started the year number one, but will likely settle for a spot in the Capital One Bowl, far, far short of its goal uh, of competing for a Southeastern Conference title and maybe even a national championship. So it was it was that year. You have Stafford, yeah. Massaqua, uh, just a bunch AJ of NFL Green talent. Was a freshman, and you know Marino was running all over the yard. It was it was quite a team. I mean, they were really good. And they went to the Capital One Bowl. And- <laughs> them's the breaks kids them's the breaks Sometimes that happens you know it, it, it was still the case where you looked at both teams and it's like uh, our people just don't look like theirs you know I mean, there's just a 30 pound difference across the field and so i mean the, you know the most fun play of the game is the, the roddy jones play i think to, to really ice it so uh you know we were up by 10 for a little while and they scored to cut it three uh seemed like the they were starting to figure some things out and we get, and I think a third and five on on our forty six, our forty five, something like that. And you know, Roddy, I mean, love Roddy to death, but he's five eight, one hundred ninety pounds compared to Georgia's <laughs> linebackers. Doesn't look like he belongs. Um, so let me do a quick tangent, real quick. Uh, when I was a junior in high school, Roddy was a year older than me, and we played them in the opening game of the year. And I uh, was playing safety. And they were on like their own five. And so I think we were kind of stacking the box a little bit, trying to keep them pinned down. And Roddy goes 95. And by the time he gets to the other end zone, I think I was 20 yards behind him. Uh, and I didn't get to play safety a whole lot more after that. But I'm thinking like, this is the guy that I played in high school. And now we're out here and there's three NFL linebackers on the other you know, side of the field. And the next thing you know, he's gone 54 down the sideline, bounced off every Georgia defender in sight. His most epic runs in tech history. And I think they're just sitting there like, we should be physically dominating this team in every way. And yet, there they go again. And we can't do anything about this. That was the magic of the, of the option in Athens those three yep. years, though. Is yep. you knew They knew what was coming. They knew how it was coming. They had the talent to stop it. And something just did not click. Something yeah. just it, it just kept misfiring and all three times. So that's 08, um, to 14 and six, uh, 14 and 16. Something just could not, could not fire and they could not finish it. And, and that's why I bought tickets in 2018. I was like, Hey, maybe it'll happen, maybe it'll happen again. Um, but no, I, I actually, I, I've been offered tickets in 2016, but I was a freshman. My parents were like, you are staying home for Thanksgiving, so I, I wish I could do that. But um, I did go to yeah. that one. That that was that was a fun day. That was a fun day. Um, but uh, watch that one at a Buffalo Wild Wings in Falls Church, Virginia, and it was full of Ohio State and Michigan fans. There's one Georgia fan on the opposite side of the restaurant, and as soon as the game ends, I just looked at him and I tipped my cap and I walked out. <laughs> That's, that's that's great. I, I will say I was biking around my Chicago suburb yelling uh, to hell with Georgia and people were looking <laughs> at me real funny, but I, I didn't have anyone else to go to. There's nobody in my hometown that went there, but yeah, yeah it, it's just, I, I think this is something that comes up whenever we have a conversation or there's discourse about ending that series just because it's uncompetitive, right? It's it's that emotional investment that we have, and I'm sure it's also on the other side. I'm sure your family can attest to that as well, that 
it you live with these people, you work with these people you, from, from both sides and having those bragging rights at the end of the day for a calendar year means something because they don't play basketball. You can't get them there. Uh, and, and hey, so, hey, tell that to Passner's five-year whatever losing streak to to Tom Green and the gang. But anyway, I'll, I'll to be fair, <laughs> fair enough. But but to have those moments where you know a clearly underskilled, underfunded, um, smaller team is able to beat up on them, and it was a there were comebacks all all three times right under mm. Paul Johnson yep. to be able to do that three times and ruin those seasons, there's nothing, there's nothing like it. And that's why it's hard for me to say, Oh, maybe this needs to be stopped. Like we need to stop playing this because the sort of the aura of having those, of having that feeling is just so, so good. Right. And I know, you know, my dad and guys of his generation, like they wouldn't even dream of, of stopping playing it just because of that, that experience of the one in five or however many it ends up being. Uh, I remember in, in 98, which is my first conscious, uh, you know, time in my life when we beat them and stopping another seven-year losing streak. And after the game, my dad just said to me, son, silence is golden and you don't have to listen to them for the next year. I was like, <laughs> there's something to that. Yeah. The, uh, that perspective, at least for me, uh, I know probably most uh, poignant with, with Robert, but also Akshay, you – you're, you're from around here. You have friends that, that go there. I guess I never really interacted with that. There's, there's like two people since I came to tech that have, that have gone to UGA for my high school, but I, I don't know that very well. Um, but now that I'm at work at a place that, you know, I hired some UGA grads too. Like this is the first time that it's been a live interact with kind of situation other than, you know, passing, passing somebody on the street or, you know, getting heckled when I bike because I'm wearing a tech thing or, or, or something like that. Like I had a guy leaning into my car once, like, like four weeks ago, I had my windows down and I have like a tech plate on the front and he's walking his dog and he was like leaning into my car and started barking. I was like, this is mid tech. The dog doesn't bark, but he does. It's an incredible, <laughs> incredible thing. But you know, like, that is like, not a healthy individual. Oh man. <laughs> no, no. He, was, he looked like a, like a, like a physically fit, like, millennial living in midtown and i was like what the heck's going on but like i've never had that experience before so like maybe when i live in a lived in a bubble on campus of only these tech people it was easier to be like uh, like i i hate them but i've been told to hate them kind of thing or like i i have this emotion that like quite frankly i know blah 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 as a social construct is a completely overblown thing to say cliche um but like it's never mattered in the same way until it's been like okay yeah now now, yeah, that that guy who sits four desks over, I will hear about it from him, or, or you know, something like that. You, you'll hear about it from him. You'll hear about it from his friends. You, it it just it's a spiral. It's all a spiral, and you, it just does not stop. Well, and and that's the interesting part. At people closer to to mine and mine and Akshay's age is when when you talk to people that are like your dad's age, like they know tech, you know, four national championships, Heisman, things like that, like at work or with these, these acquaintances, it's like, they're like, you have four national championships. You guys scored 222 points in a game. They like, suck. Okay. It sucks so like, much. You guys are terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Like, hey, the, the ring, the banner's going to fly forever, man. Like, shut up. That's why we need the history guy. Keep preaching. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it, it, it's such an, 
interesting, I think, is the best, the politest, the most podcast friendly way to put it. Interacting with with friends of mine that went there on on Thanksgiving weekend or talking about the state of both programs every so often because it's there's just no sell like there's like a lack of self-awareness sometimes right because i think we are very aware of like what plagues a program what the problems are um where we sit in the the college football cosmology so to speak and when you're that level in the stratosphere and you were born into that level in the stratosphere like a lot of these guys were it's hard to have the same same awareness right it's hard to have the same Humility isn't the right word, but it's it's hard to be aware of where, where that program has been when you're born on third base, as, as we've heard said sometimes, right? Yeah. We well, we'll just put it like this: we've given them a small loan of a million points. <laughs> oh, it's felt like that in the last couple of years for sure. But uh, regardless, that that perspective is great, Robert, and thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for for joining our uh, 100th episode special, and we look forward to having you on more often in the future. Uh, Thanks, guys. Thanks for giving us the daily. So I guess this is the middle part of our 100th episode special, I guess. At least that's the way that it falls in the schedule. At some point, we were going to have to talk about our favorite top tech moments, TTMs, TM. Uh, So... I'm going to give you the floor. You go ahead and start. Oh, boy. Um, so if you guys have been listening through this, you, you obviously know that we talk a little bit about how uh, people, you know, kind of arrived at the spot in their fandom from the rumble seat, things like that. Um, so I will give a little bit of of that. Um in terms of my own route here, I, I think <laughs> if you're talking about like most significant tech memories, it would probably make the most sense to say it's the one where it all started. Um, I kind of forced my friends to watch uh, watch the 2015 FSU Georgia Tech game because, and I quote, we never watch football. We, we would often play like Settlers Catan or something like that. Nerd. Um, and, and Florida State is playing. They're pretty good. I've been on the offense about applying to tech. Um, I did need to apply to a couple more schools. Um, and then they won. Uh, and then I applied the next day uh, or whenever, uh, in, short, in short order after that. Um, oh, well. But uh, no, I think if we're talking big picture um, in terms of enjoyment, uh, meaning, I don't think that had the most meaning, even though it was the one that that got me here. And, and plus it's one that just has so much written on it. So much said on it. Heck SB nation's YouTube channel did a rewinder on it. Anything I could say. Uh, I really doesn't... hate that. You're, I really hate that you're sandbagging the fact that I picked this moment and you're just oh. ruining it. You're <laughs> you ruining this for me. Shot sheet. I, I had no I, idea. I, well, uh, I used, I put it in the other shot sheet. Oh, oops. Well, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'll just pick another one out of a hat. No, if it's the most sentimental for you, it should be. But finish the statement. Finish the finish the thought. As you guys go through and and listen to these, you'll note that all of these are about football. Um, Little Jake's was about uh, Clemson Tech. Uh, we've we've seen some UGA comments. We'll we'll get some Virginia Tech ones in a bit. But they're all about football, and I think it would be a disservice uh, to myself to pick a football one because as much as I love Georgia Tech football. Um, 
Love it, is a strong word. It, it it hasn't given me that that same high. And I I think uh, if we're talking about like the the games that meant the most, like I grew up a, a huge baseball fan. I'm in a Cubs shirt right now. Podcasting is a visual medium. Um, and, and I grew up with with the NCAA sport that I followed being being basketball. So it it made way more sense to pick one of those. Um, I'll touch on the two I whittled it down to. Um, that thinking about about the meaning of baseball and things like that is the, the 2019 SunTrust Park uh, game against UGA um, really came to mind. Uh, and then uh, as well as the 2017 Notre Dame basketball uh, home game uh, where uh, a Kogi beat the buzzer to, to lay in a shot right at the end of the game there. Um, ultimately, I, I do think the SunTrust Park uh, UGA baseball game does mean a little bit more I, as much as I, I did grow up um, around reasons that made me not like Notre Dame. And, and there's really strong parallels of like, wow, that was when I knew I was in like a community and like went to uh, a game with a, a friend of mine and didn't like, we were just like, you know, it, it was like, I have found a place at tech. Uh, but in terms of, of the, the 2019 baseball game, that is just an unparalleled and unsung experience uh, in college sports. Um, in this week's in this week's normal episode of science, we did touch on uh, just like some of the, the weird oddball type sports stuff and uh, maybe on a much bigger scale. But the, the idea of uh, playing a massive baseball rivalry game in an MLB stadium in college is really a phenomenon that well was uh, before uh, 2020, like spring, uh, very unique to this baseball this baseball rivalry of putting, you know, 20, 25,000 Georgia and Georgia tech fans in one stadium, which is, you know, the, the, the biggest draw in college baseball uh, on any calendar Granted, A lot of them are UGA fans, but, um, but as a baseball guy, it just, it, it meant a lot. It meant a lot to see that um, the narrative going into that being, you know, Georgia tech hasn't beaten uh, UGA in, uh, a major sporting event in, in quite some time, right? Like came up short in tennis, uh, hadn't won a football game uh, against them since 2016. 16. Uh, had never, at least when I'd been on campus, won a basketball game against them. It had been since like 2014 or 15 on that one. I think 2014. Um, uh, baseball I had not been successful the previous two years either. Um, they, they They didn't make... The NCAA tournament, it was kind of falling off from from where they were at. And uh, I also believe we maybe we had beaten them in women's basketball, but I don't I don't think we had. Um, if so, not we sure. Only, if so, we were only one in three against them in my time. Uh, so the point is um, not that that can really be seen as a, a greater picture turning point. I, I think that would be an, an overstatement of, of what that game meant. But what it was was kind of the perfect encapsulation of what was a very special team that as a baseball season goes, you just get so familiar with the players, right? You watch, you can't watch all 60 some games that they play, but, but if you catch a lot of games, that's, you know, that's a lot of hours spent with Tristan English and Connor Thomas and uh, Xavier Curry. And, you know, I could, I could list them, list them all out and, and keep going, but uh, just uh, so many parts. I think Luke Waddell. Um, oh my goodness. And Kyle. Kyle McCann, like I could just keep saying names and, and it brings back these connotations, especially I think for the two of us of, of, of watching a lot of that team play a lot of innings. And, and I think that 
you know, if they win that Auburn game at home, um, maybe we we talk about a different game from that season. But just in terms of of being a you know born and bred baseball guy, I don't I don't think anything comes close to that. I should let you get in the word. It's been like five. So years. sentimental, so sentimental. The, the the thing that comes to mind for me it, it isn't necessarily the whole pizza pie there in terms of the series versus versus Georgia, but it was. More baseball specific is that they had struggled to win. They'd won games, but they'd struggled yeah. to complete season series. Um, the, the, the three game set versus Georgia in multiple seasons. And then also you have the factor um, of the 2017 and 2018 seasons being pretty disappointing. And this, this is kind of where this sort of this, and then moving forward towards the end of the season is kind of where you felt like this was going to be a really, really, really big year. It was going to end in some really, really big way, really, really fun way. It did, it did end in a really big way, but... Well, it, well it, culminate. Maybe culminate is a better word. Yeah. Right? Because you... Because this is ends up being the uh, a, a game, a, a series clinching game between the third and fourth national seeds mm-hmm. um, it, it, that season. And so it not only was a really good baseball game, especially for us, but it, there's so much narrative that, you, like you said, you can weave into this game based on the baseball season, based on the season series and, and historic series versus Georgia. But just it was just emblematic of how that season felt and it, I'm sort of talking circles and repeating what you're saying, but it was emblematic of how that season felt and that that was the moment where you were like, Hey, this is going to be a really big year. Uh, and it, and it was right. We, it was a third uh, season, which uh, ended with tech placing as the third national seed, but regardless of the regional performance. And I think we have done that to death. We, we've, we've the Auburn times. game to death. We don't have to talk that one, but I, but it's also to be noted that that the walk off was in the first Auburn game. It wasn't in. There was another Auburn game played, and, and we had played them twice in the regular season too, and, and one beating them game. both times. Yeah, so you got Stephen Williams or, or whatever his name was in the in the first Auburn game to because you were a, a home team or site host that was the away team in the game. And then you had to go through the winner's bracket or the loser's bracket of Coastal Carolina. And the, I forget who the other team was that year. Yeah, we had already right. lost Coastal, but yeah. I forget who the other team was. So you, you had to go double the header on the same day, you know, and Auburn yeah. sat and rested. And it just, you ra- it like ran out of gas at the end. So despite how it ended, and I think, because this was the season we were doing pretty constant, pretty consistent baseball coverage too. Um, despite how it ended, it was a really, really fun year just to follow baseball and get really invested in that team. And I, 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 a lot of the feelings that I have for that, uh, for that Georgia Tech baseball team are all <laughs> mimic a lot of the feelings that I have about the the 2021 Braves team, right? It, it, obviously, one wins a championship and the other doesn't, but well, it's the same sort of emotional investment game over game, especially when you're getting into those latter stages of the season. 
And I, I think that's a good point. It, you could also say that it parallels the like tip of the iceberg, like 2021 volleyball season two. But mm-hmm. the thing mm-hmm. that drives me nuts is that they play this game at Cool Ray Field now. So you can't even fit 20,000, 25,000 people in there. Yeah. Like you used to be able to. It's farther away from, you know, Georgia Tech, from, from you know, the Atlanta conglomeration right oh but it's still in lawrenceville or whatever no i don't lawrenceville is pretty far away like it's far away like my my family lives in redacted northern suburb right but like it's far away from there yeah well and and the point is you can't recapture even even they don't even sell the upper decks at at truist right but they do but it's still like a pretty of billing out the lower deck again Mm -hmm. it is the if not the most attended baseball game. It is certainly the most attended regular season game uh, that is, that is played. And, and that's no denying it. It's a rivalry game. And you cannot look at that. You cannot look at the interest in, in the Braves run. You can't look back five years at, at the Cubs and Indians runs to the world series and tell me that baseball is a dying sport. Like you just cannot <laughs> like in Atlanta. He, he took this opportunity to go on his so <laughs> You, you cannot you cannot tell me that baseball is a dying sport when you pack 25,000 people in the stands for a college baseball game. And much like MLB, moving it out to Cool Ray and only letting 8,000 people in when you could not have an, a bottomless pit of demand, but fill a, a very good chunk of SunTrust. And keep in mind, all of that money goes to charity. Why are you not doing that? Um, like it, you, you just can't tell me that it's not just baseball related entities shooting themselves in the foot i'm wondering now why that gets moved well the first year i don't because of the ski jump thing that tore up yeah the ski jump thing was dumb it was super dumb but also i guess that was technically also no it wasn't u.s olympic stuff it was just they they set up like an exhibition for the u.s ski team um which Probably was cool, but it left that entire outfield ruined for like for three months. They had to replace the, all of the sod out there, I believe. Um, but the, I mean, twenty one. I'm not. They only played a two game set in twenty one, which I think was home away. And then and they're going back to Cool Ray this year, I believe. Yeah, so that's frustrating. I I guess it's something having to do with the Braves preseason spring training schedule but also they're locked out who knows maybe they'll flex it it's sunday march 6th that's way before the baseball season starts like the mlb state season yeah it it, i'm curious i'm I'm very curious as to why why the change happened and maybe that's something uh something we can foia yeah and i will say one more thing um on baseball shooting itself in the foot because i feel compelled to um the lack of games on ACC Network uh, is is not helping. Uh, putting them on, bro, extra. you got it. You got to put all the lacrosse on. You got to put yeah, all the well, lacrosse and all the ba- basketball on. on. Like there, there's not a Tech does not play a single game on ACC Network this year as of right now. I'm sure that'll change at least one or two events. But yeah, like, there'll be some flexes. But and, and I get it until like March when when basketball season's on. But after after the UGA series, you still have you know, 30 some games left. Like they're, they're, the, and even if it's not tech, like put Pitt versus Notre Dame on there. Like it, it doesn't matter. Um, okay. Well, maybe not Pitt, but like, you know, what I, I mean, I'd put, I'd put Notre Dame on there. Grow the game. Um, anyways, that's hard, hard, deep into the, 
uh, in the, the psyche of game. a of a downtrodden Cubs fan. Yes, but uh, but again, the the image that will forever be seared in my brain is the uh, I think it was either Waddell or Tristan English popping up after a triple at third and like or maybe it's second and dr- jumping so hard that his helmet came off. Oh, oh yeah, 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 I think I that they've been using that in promo material for for like two or three years sense. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a very good photo. Dan, I think it was Danny Karnick who, who took it. Shout out, Danny. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I got. I, I, we could talk forever on on that game and 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 kind of what it meant. But as a as a baseball guy, that's one of the best best games I've ever seen live. You saw it too much through the sentiment. Okay, not too much, but you saw it so much through the sentimentality of this moment here that I have like no, like I don't have as much in comparison. I mean, my moment was a 2015 FSU game for for the obvious reason. Sure, recency bias and uh, you know the most notable end football ending for Tech in a while, but. It was just a very cool experience. I, that's my first year on campus. That's my first homecoming on campus. Um, playing a obviously not that great of a season for Tech. I mean, they were two and seven going into that game, and FSU was nine and nine and zero. Oh. Um, and it's a, but yeah, I think it's at the end. Of, it's at the end of October. It's still a little muggy in Atlanta, but it's starting to get colder. Um, it's it's everyone and their mother expects it to be a massive blowout and it just the game itself sucked it was awful i i don't have the box score pulled up for this one but if you go and and take a look at it both teams struggle to do anything offensively in this game and if you like in terms of the actual game of football that was played this should not ever be remembered like i think some people would be like Take the tapes, burn them, and then burn the ashes because it was not a very good, it was not a very good game of football. Uh, FSU could not get FSU. You expect to be the protagonist in this game could not get anything going offensively whatsoever, uh, and it was really weird to watch. Uh, and I had a, I had a couple of friends from FSU in town. I had a friend uh, from high school that went to Notre Dame that was in town uh, for for break, and so we all hung out in in our neck of the woods and in, in our tech student section. So. It was a really interesting experience having friends in town, being able to enjoy that moment with them, get on the field, which I had never, like, I'd never even imagined that would be possible to get onto the playing surface and celebrate like that. And especially doing it in that way, running back a, a block kickoff for a touchdown to win the game over a top 10 opponent, right? I, I probably will never have that cha- opportunity ever again. I'm never going to be a college student ever again, right? So uh, I got wood there, just, <laughs> never going to be a college student with no responsibilities ever again. How about that? There you go. Um, <laughs> I, I will it say- was just a really cool, really cool seminal moment in a football season that did not have that many uh, in four years of sports at Tech that also had relatively few. <laughs> Yeah, I will add, it took me a long time to not be super salty that I missed being being able to do that as a student. Um, 
I don't know. Like that. What? Be able to jump the barrier and get tackled on the field? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, not like the storm the field thing, but just like, I don't know. I, I guess the 2016 UGA game was, was a great one too, but I, I missed out. Away. I'm, going, yeah. I'm going to that um, due to being a, a freshman and, and being unable to, you know, ring free of family responsibilities and things like that. But just in terms of, of how, singular of a memory that is and will be like you know like there that doesn't come around every week right that's yeah. why and the, i think this sort of leads into a broader discussion about court storms and, and field storms as a whole and we've talked about this before tech basketball last season had a couple of instances where they had some pretty quality wins at home and mccain but mccamish is not built anymore for court storming like but the way that the courtside seats next to the student section are set up and then the way that the uh the student section behind one of the uh behind one of the hoops is set up it is it is impossible without possibly killing someone you got to think about last year too it's also like yes there was more students than there are on a typical night when they they sold every ticket or sold you know because you could put a thousand people in an 8,000 seat stadium, but like 250 of those kids are in the upper deck. People are spread out all the way back. It's not like people, I don't know that, not that it was never going to happen for, for a couple of those upsets, but it, that would have been. It just, there there wasn't, I think the FSU one was a spur of the moment thing. It's like, well, 10 kids jumped. Now we're all doing it. And we're going to have, possibly have a crush situation at the at the foot of the stairs if we don't do it um whereas it just i don't think the same sort of it's not sense of fun it that's not the right way to put it at all it's just the same thing did not has not happened at mccamish for yeah i mean i, I, mean, I don't know when the last court storm at mccamish ever has like if they've ever had one really i'll, I'll give you i'll give you some insight um so I was football chair of rec club, uh, ah, yes. So, um, the year that we went to the gate or not the Gator Bowl, the, the quick lane bowl in Detroit. Um, and we beat Miami to become bowl eligible, uh, late in the year. It was a night game. It was cold. Their, uh, players were like yelling at our fans. Oh, I remember this one. The game. They were all dressed in black. Um, they came they came up to the student section and like knelt and I, I mean I mean they prayed in front of like the tech students it was a really weird pregame moment I remember this it was very bizarre but um I remember after the game I was under the under the stadium with the whistle like or to grab the whistle like two minutes before <laughs> the game ended uh, yeah we're not gonna unbox the whistle um but uh but they were worried. They were they were like sending out like um, some more of the security folks and things like that to try and make sure that, you know, things didn't get out of hand. And I was just kind of sitting there like, we're like, <laughs> we're like going to be six and five beating another six, uh, a team that will also be six and five. Is this really the hill we're going to die on? Like that's going to be the course. Well, I think one guy got on the field at the end of the day and they got they got him immediately. He like turned around. Looked at the student section, saw no one else was following him, and then got tackled. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's about as close as I saw it. But you know, 
I'll I'll leave the viewer to to have discretion on that one. It also happened uh, at the NCAA regionals for volleyball this year. They yep. pulled out a a tape cordon yep. to prevent and, the students from coming out of the court. Which at volleyball, it's a very established thing that during the horse, as long as you don't truck the team, like you run across the court. And then that no one, no, well, I, I think some people did, but like, I mean, people weren't going to like, you, it's a volleyball. You don't want to cause an NCAA the team in trouble. Like, yeah, you know, uh, it, in kind of the same way of like how uh, at like the baseball regional, they, they could very well have played like people's walk-up songs, just like, oh, they happen to play it. And like towards the last game, it started being like, oh, hmm, this is the inning break. And Joey, not Joey Bart, and Tristan English is up on deck and they're playing his walk-up <laughs> song. This is, this is convenient kind of thing. But like, you know, like you're not going to rock the boat and, and like get the people in trouble. You know, like people get it. You know, it's, at some point yeah. you got to respect the authorita. Um because I, I was talking to someone, I think it uh, might have been uh, a mutual acquaintance, acquaintance of ours, that they were surprised that people didn't storm after the, the UConn women's game. I'm like, it's... There were like, I mean, look, there was a sizable crowd there. Let's be clear. It's there was a sizable It's not out of the question. But... It was, it should, it wasn't out of the question, but it was not enough students to even, like there was a large number of students, but it was not enough to make that a question, I think. Yeah. Make that a serious consideration. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, storming logistics aside, um, anything Got to do some storming analytics. We got to do some storming analytics. I've uh, alluded to, oh, speaking of analytics, I completely broke my rec, uh, my uh, composite athletic department score code. So, bum, 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 bum. Um, I told you to use version control. It's not even a version control thing. I just didn't handle the year change very well. Oops. Um, but, oh, yeah, we alluded to my miracle on Techwood story, too. I think everyone, uh, most people, sorry, we're, get, we're getting far enough away from there that I, I, the word everyone does not apply anymore. Um, but uh, I think everyone, uh, most of the people, I'll correct myself again, uh, can on some level relate to having an experience with that game, either yeah. there in person or, or far away. It was Especially, just a very, very good time on campus afterward. Like, yeah, that to be very to be perfectly blunt, not a lot of like happy, happy times on campus. Like where campus is like positively frolicking, uh, in all senses of the word. Uh, there, like it happens maybe three times a year. It was one of those times. It was very fun. So big midnight bug vibes is what I'm hearing. Yes, but like not just concentrated in one location all across campus. Okay, if I could take a hard left turn and then we got to wrap this up because it's almost eight. But um, if I could like see one thing in, in tech history that isn't a sporting event, so like a tangential thing, is I would want to be at the corner of Bobby Dodd and Techwood after the 1990 UVA win to see them light the, the big bonfire that like melted the stoplights into the street. Like, yeah, not a sports. Yeah, they, they just like they burn couches and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they just like, they went full uh, West Virginia on that. This is kind yeah. of impressive. Yeah. We need to find some pictures at some point. We will.
Heat rises. That, that's what Creasine said. Heat rises. Ugh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, always got to be tied back to science. All right. Well, we'll be back in a few short moments with the next person. In- we are into the second half of our uh, Science of the Southland 100th episode special Right now, for this next half hour or so, we have Mr. Christopher Pascal, uh, who is joining us from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts, despite my personal reservations about the city that he lives in. Chris, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. A little bit cold. Uh, One day I'll convince you it's a wonderful city. Places in the north that have rail transit and snow, that, that speaks my language right there. Well, just 10 seconds in, we're already on rail transit. I love it. <laughs> oh, wait, so are we doing an entire episode on the MTA? Like, is that what we're doing? Or do we want to pivot to, to talking about MARTA? What, what's the deal? Uh, I could definitely speak at length about the tea if you want. Uh, I'm sure very many of you <laughs> listeners want that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what they come here for is our opinions on, on urban yeah. design, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, kind of a random question, I guess, but... Uh, being outside of uh, out of out of Atlanta, away from you know teams you grew up with, the school you went to, things like that. Like, do you go to many like Red Sox, uh, Bruins, Pats, like like that kind of sporting events, or or not really? Sort of, yeah. I mean, so the Pats are hard, right? Like Foxborough is like a solid 30, 45 minutes out of town. Don't have a car, uh, makes it really difficult. I'd love to, that'll do, um, but just haven't really had the opportunity. Um, Definitely. I mean, up until COVID at least, um, went to like a handful of Red Sox games a year. Those are a ton of fun. Um, usually you can find tickets like super late for like 20 bucks. Like it's super worth it. Um, Fenway is awesome. Love going there. Yeah. Um, when I first moved here, I, I went like six or seven times, like the first summer, like love doing that. Um, and then now, uh, I actually live across the street from TD garden. Uh, nice. so <laughs> unfortunately COVID has, has impacted that a little bit, but, um, now that things are like open, uh, my wife and I have been talking about going to a Bruins game, uh, hopefully sometime in the next couple of weeks. We've been wanting to do that for a while. So that's nice. I miss hockey. Actually, um, hold on. I know we're recording, but I actually got this in the mail today. It, Podcast it is a custom medium. run of Ooh. swim club hockey sweaters. Pretty that's sharp. Nice looking. Yeah. It's a, it, it, it was a nice snag. I, I miss hockey. That's my point. <laughs> Oh, we sure would be nice if uh, if Atlanta had a hockey team, huh? I hear the Flames are up. For yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> hey, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times, maybe. We'll we'll see. I would um, love to be would love to be the single city in America that has lost three NHL franchises. I would love to be. I'm to three. Well, it would be. It's already two. It's the only city that's lost two. Yeah. Adding a third would be very funny. It would also be very funny if it was one franchise twice, if the flames are actually. That does make it worse, yeah. Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess L.A. lost the Chargers, then got them back, lost the Rams, then got them back, and has Raiders, lost the- They had the Raiders, they got the Raiders, and then lost the Raiders, and then almost had the Raiders back, and then the Raiders went to Vegas. yeah. So it could be the LA, but you know, without, without as quite as much smog. <laughs> without the weather. You know. yeah. Well, I mean, it is kind of second Hollywood. So yeah, it's, it's, already, it's already got that part of it. True. 
Um, yeah, they're they're doing filming down the street for me the other day. I mean, I feel like anybody in Atlanta could say that though, but yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm very interested to see how Jake finds a segue back to our actual topic from here because ah, I'm not doing it. Have one in my pocket. It's not my uh-huh. job either. So, so, so you're in Boston. You've been there for what three, four years now? Almost four, somewhere okay. in there. Cool. And uh, so obviously before before that you were here at Tech. Um, did you grow up a tech guy? Did you uh, did you grow up like a in a tech family? I feel like that's the vibe we've gotten uh, from from talking to uh, Jake and, and Robert so far. Uh, I am not that vibe. Uh, okay. I I grew up uh, rooting for the bad team. Um, bum, 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 bum. Yep. Uh, my dad uh, was an agricultural engineer at the University of Georgia uh, in the 70s. Um, so at insult to injury that it was an engineering degree too, I think. Um, but no, grew up there my whole life and then became a tech fan when I went to tech. Um, started in the fall of 2012. Okay. So uh, I presume there was a lot of, or at least some level of like, like getting used to it that that took right right got having to burn all of the other uh, all the existing clothing in the closet replacing it it all to my little brother yeah i mean i was never like i was a loose fan like i was never super passionate super into it like my my dad is a very low-key person like he was never like super super into it um he's probably gotten more into it like the last few years yeah so like it really wasn't a big deal at all um it was it was a more of a big deal. So I'm from St. Simon's Island, which if you know anything about the University of Georgia, um, that is where everyone goes for uh, Georgia, Florida weekend. Uh, hooray, frat beach, all that kind of stuff. Please yeah. stop coming to my island. Um, so there, there's a bond, there's huge UGA culture at St. Simon's. Basically everyone there like went to UGA. So like all my dad's friends uh, went to UGA. And when I like whatever, like sign the paperwork, whatever to go to tech, um, my dad had multiple friends be like, you're letting him go to tech. And my dad was like, yes. What, what do you mean? And they were like, Oh, I just, just can't believe you'd let him go there. He's like, what, what do you mean? He, he, he's what is this engineering school? <laughs> <It's a question. laughs> and I, I remember like thinking at the time, like, that's a really stupid question. That's kind of weird. Um, and then I don't know, looking back, I get it now. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I feel like I more <laughs> understand the, the world of college football at this point. I mean, I, I can, I can relate to you at least on that level. I did not, my, my mom's an Indiana grad um, and my dad went to a school, Bradley, that didn't, didn't have a football team. So like, I, I did not get really anything about, not, not really anything. You know, I knew Rose Bowl and Big Ten football and things like that. But like, yeah. you know, you, you see it from the other side and you're like, oh, because I was like really confused. Like my mom was like, yeah, this Purdue thing. I don't think you want to do that, <laughs> you know, but Anyways, um, Akshay, you're the host. You need to start making segues. <laughs> well, one thing I was going to say, especially on the agricultural engineering bit, I have given, I guess I've put in a lot of hot air into the discourse about Georgia having an engineering school. So I do want to at least say one piece about that. They, Them having an engineering school makes sense for those things, right? Sort of the agriculture, the turf management, that that sort of stuff. That tech has kind of its own ivory tower. We do a lot of like machine building and wood shop culture and a lot of like, not shop culture particularly, but like a lot more theoretical, a lot more higher level, less baseline, like 
practical engineering, if that makes today. sense. Yeah. 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 So it, it's like, well, I'm still going to put the same amount of hot air into that discourse that I always would, because I still don't think they should have an engineering school, but uh, it, it at least, you know, makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I'm biting my tongue real hard because I could just spin us off on an hour about like the intricacies of school versus shop culture and how it's weird because Georgia Tech long, long arc of history does have a relatively uh, shop culture focused like type thing uh, going on in, in, in terms of our, our philosophy behind our, our department. But I won't do that because this is a podcast about sports. Um, and I think a fair way to segue into that is why tech then? Like if, if it was a, like an in-state thing or like just liked it the best, like were you, were you drawn to it for a particular reason or just it made sense? Yeah, I mean, it was mostly the in-state thing. Um, I mean, I think for a lot of people, it's, it's almost like a no-brainer, right? Like really good in-state engineering school, like basically can go there for free as long as I somewhat do the things I'm supposed to do, yeah. get grades. Like, I mean, my parents were definitely pushing for it a lot. I had this idea in high school. I was like, I want to go out of state. I want to go somewhere really far away. And then I was like, ah, that's kind of dumb. Like eventually and like didn't get in places. And I was like, okay, cool. Like tech, love it. Um, yeah, it's like, why would I go to Michigan and shell out forty or $50,000 per year wherein I can go to tech and pay basically nothing if you have the hope yeah. for Zoe Miller scholarship? So yep, it, it's oh, just exactly. like financially, it just does not make sense to do anything else if you're in like, a, if you're an enge- engineering discipline or a computer discipline, just yep. does not make thing, sense like, to do anything else. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. How, if there, you're getting a liberal arts degree, if you're, if you're trying to do pre-med at tech, then you know, more power to you, but then it's not really a path that I would recommend. So, yeah. So, um, so you got to tech in, in, in 2012, are there like things that you remember like diving into? I, I know when I got here, my, my big thing was like swim club and like going to sporting events, which is probably pretty obvious based on me, you know, whipping out the, the swim, your club whole personality yeah. and my whole personality. Right. But, um, <laughs> Uh, but like, you know, so some people go into Greek life or, or you know, service or, or student government. Was there something in particular that you were like drawn to? Uh, so the one thing that I had eyes out for was club tennis the whole time. Um, I knew a guy from my high school team uh, had joined it two years prior um, and he had told me about it, told me to look out for it. So that, that was like my one thing when I got to campus. I was like, need to figure out when tryouts are, need to figure out like how to start trying to be a part of this. Yeah. Um, outside of that, just kind of. I don't know. I didn't go into it with like a huge list of things or like really even that much of a plan. It was kind of like soak up what I can. Um, Mm -hmm. So go to as many sporting events as I can. Um, It was like the only year I think I went to like all the basketball games. A buddy and I um, went to like every single game, Um, tried a few different things, went around different, different places, but yeah, just kind of seeing what was out there for the most part. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and lead you into talking about the, the event you want to talk about, but um, uh, I guess like, I don't know, like it, it sounds really familiar to me. So I don't really have a, have a good like contrast or, or, or lead out from that. Like, I don't know. Akshay, you got some. You're, you're struggling with the segue. Do you want some help? Do you yeah. want some help? So, so Chris, you started tech in 2012. We, so you started at Tech in 2012. You graduated, what, 2016? 2017. Right. So you had one major bowl win in that, in that 
five-year period. I think you're uh, discounting the Tax Slayer Bowl a little bit, but you're not wrong. Major, okay. New Year's Six Bowl. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. New Year's Six. New Year's Six Bowl. And I, we've actually talked, I think we've recapped the story that you and other writer Steven have from this specific game. But before we get to that, and maybe we won't get to that given the time that we have left, why don't you tell us a little about what game it is and what your experience was, was with it. Yeah, so uh, I came here to talk about the 2014 Orange Bowl against the Mississippi State University Bulldogs. Um, so has anyone <laughs> talked about... <laughs> oh, you actually have... Oh, nice. This is perfect. I, so, sorry, I just had to hold that up. No, I, I have a count. Is that out at all times? To... Or did you like preemptively take that out because you knew I was talking about this game? No, that sits on my desk immediately okay, cool. to the right of my computer at all times. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, has anyone talked to y'all about the 2014 UGA game yet, or like that season at all? We've talked about the Clemson game that year, but we haven't talked about the Georgia game from that year. Gotcha. Okay. Clemson game was fun, too. Yeah. So, the background on all this, I guess, is like, so 2012 was my first season. Um, 2013, the next season – they just sort of like happened for the most part. It's right. Like nothing super exciting happens. Uh, 2012, we win that super weird sun bowl. Um, versus Lane. Yeah. Versus Lane Kiffin where uh, what's his name? The quarterback was injured and didn't play. Uh, whatever. Oh, we, we were this like super. <sighs> I, know yes. I think um, it was. Yeah. Uh, 2013. I think I'm trying to remember. I think we were the first ever team to go seven and six. In 2013, um, I think we lost that seven year. Seven and seven. Whatever. Seven and seven. Seven and seven, yeah, yeah, um, To Ole Miss, I think. So those two years were just sort of like, meh, like they existed, right? Like winning records, went to a bowl game, weren't super good. That's fine. Um, and so then 2014 rolls around, uh, and all of a sudden we get Justin Thomas, uh, which is awesome, right? So, I mean – he's like the thing that happens this year. Right. So we go through this season, um, immediately like right at the bat, like good season, right? Like everyone's super happy. Could you um, tell it was different? Like going into the year after the first couple of games or was it just like, eh, not really. Cause like even, so even actually early on, I remember the Georgia Southern game that year, we were Ooh. tied or we were either tied or like losing by three or something with like six minutes left. And everyone was like, great. This is fine. Like whatever like, we weren't at that point, I think yet as a fan base of like full, like Atlanta sports of like, Oh, we're destined to lose this, but we were kind of like, man, eh, like this sucks, whatever. Um, and then I think we got like the go ahead touchdown with like a minute left in that game. Yeah. I remember there was no one left in the stands and we were all just like jumping up and down screaming. We were like, Oh, this is the best thing ever. Like we beat Georgia Southern. Um, so like early on, like there wasn't a whole lot going on. Like we were winning. Um, and then we got to uh, whatever it was, like 6-0, 7-0, and we get to the UNC-Duke game stretches. Um, mm. Yeah, so I can never remember which way, which game ended up being first. I feel like every time I talk about this, I, I flip-flop them. But basically, the first game is on fall break, which I still, to this day, am pissed off that they scheduled that game on fall break. It was, because it was no Duke. Was there. It was Duke first? That one yeah. was Duke because I was there. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Ironic. Um, I was not, um, as was like most of the stadium. So we lose that game. 
and then I think we just like hang over, lose to UNC the next weekend. So we're like, okay, cool. Like we're somewhat back to normal. And then we just go on, you know, like an amazing run. Like we beat UGA. Um, we get super, super close um, in the ACC game. Like, so it, I, for me, I think like emotions running into the bowl were, wow, I think we just put together like easily one of the best scenes we've had in recent memory. Like this was awesome. Like we have a really, really strong team again, like Justin Thomas, like by like, far and away my favorite tech player that I've, I've seen when I was a student and since then um, is like this awesome dynamic guy. Like he's just like, ridiculously fast, ridiculously slippery, like just so much fun to watch. Everyone on the team was super fun to watch. Like that to me is like the pinnacle of the, the option offense, right? Like if you want to like show someone the option offense, like you pick a game or a sequence like from that year. So like I was feeling good we were like cool like we beat uga this is awesome so then we we're like okay we go to the orange bowl i remember um steven and i were sitting in our apartment like refreshing the thing like waiting for the student tickets to come out to the game got ourselves the tickets we we're like cool we're gonna go to this game um so then like we go off on christmas break um and then the the game rolls around we drive down there with another buddy of ours um and his girlfriend so the four of us road trip uh from saint simon's down to not Miami, um, you know, 45 minutes away from Miami, which was also news to me to learn. Um, we spend like a day there beforehand, I think. Um, and then, oh, and I also remember um, when we left my house to go to the game, like my mom was like telling us bye or whatever. Um, this other friend, Alex, my mom was like, hey, like have fun at the game. And I was just, like, we're going to lose. Like, I think there was still like this very real kind of like, like, we're really good but we don't know that we're Mississippi state good. Right. Cause remember this was the team that was number one when the first playoff rankings came out that year yep. and had Dak Prescott, who yeah. obviously has had a highly successful NFL career since then. Is and like, uh, was... noted defensive coordinator, Jeff Collins. <clears throat> That's also a really, really good point. Um... <laughs> uh, I, I, have a quick, I have a quick question. Um, did you guys, did you guys like stay like at the stadium or were you in like South beach expecting uh, no, we were we were not in South Beach. We were, I want to say we were probably like 25 minutes away from the stadium in gotcha. some like Hampton Inn or something or not. That uh, sounds remarkably similar to my experience going to a Wednesday afternoon Marlins game at Hard Rock in 2011. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. But anyways, continue. Yeah, luckily, I don't I don't even remember what day of the week this was. It was probably a weekend. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so the actual game um, – is obviously awesome, right? Stadium atmosphere is super great. Like it's, uh, if you've ever been to the stadium, it's like one of those like very, very quintessential like NFL stadiums where like there's nothing around it, but just like parking lot for like miles and miles. And then there's just a humongous stadium like right in front of you, yeah. um, which is like a new experience. Like for a lot of us, like didn't really go to NFL games and like, I mean, Bobby Dodd is just sort of like in the middle of everything. Um, so you don't really ever get to like see its size. So that was the first time we're like, oh, cool. Like huge stadium. Like this is a big deal. Yeah. Um, so the game starts, I think immediately Dak Prescott throws an interception. I want to say like on the first drive um, and we're like, okay, cool. This is fun. Um, and it's just sort of this like tight first half, like back and forth for the most part. Um, and we're thinking like, okay, cool. Like we're hanging in there. Like the, the offense is looking really good. Like the defense is just sort of there, but like, that's fine for the most part. Like that's been our MO at that point was like, we're going to score 45 points a game. If we give up 35, it doesn't really matter. Um, 
And like the big moment of the first half is as time expires, uh, Mississippi state scores like a 55 yard touchdown pass um, where I don't know who the receiver was, um, but just absolutely mosses the hell out of whoever our DB was like as time expires, pulls them within one point. And like all of us in the fans were like, Oh God, we're going to lose this game. Aren't we? Like I, I remember just the entire game for like all four hours just being incredibly stressed. Like it was one of like those kind of wins where we're up by somewhere between 14 and seven points for basically the entire game from there on. But like every time we're up 14 and they get within seven, everyone's like body in there. It's like, Oh my God, like they're getting close. Panic. Like, I don't just sheer panic. Yeah, just like, Oh God, the like, classic a turnover. And like this, cause yeah. by the end of it, Dak Prescott threw for like 550 yards and like five, like he absolutely torched us. And that was very uh, evident the entire time in the stadium was like, we can't do I have anything that number. to stop this guy. I have that number and it's just wild. If you see the passing yards breakdown, Dak Prescott, 33 of 51 for 453, three TDs and, and a pick. Justin Thomas, 7 to 12, 125, a touchdown Ooh. and a pick. Yeah, but what was his rushing line? Go ahead and read that one. Oh, I have that. I have that. Uh, Where is it? Where is it? Justin Thomas, 14 carries, 121 yards, average of 8.6, three TDs, long of 32 yards. Yeah. So the the two best moments from the actual game of this are one is one of JC's touchdowns. It's somewhere, I think, in the third quarter where he's running out wide and like when you hear the expression like shakes a defender out of their boots it's like that but like legitimately that like he the linebacker is closing him and he does that little like shimmy to the inside and this dude just flat falls on his ass and it's so awesome and then he just like afterburners for 30 more yards into the end zone and i to this day like i I go back and like i watch that clip all the time like it's the most amazing thing like he makes that dude look so silly um it's that one. And then it's the like 70 yard run that Sinjin days had. I think that one might've been in the first half or early in the second half where basically the entire Mississippi state defense touches him at some point during the run. Like he runs into the line, like every lineman touches him. He bounces outside. He like bowls over a linebacker on the sideline and then it sprints down. And like those two moments are the ones that I remember the most vividly of like, everyone just jumping up and down like oh my god like we're a real team this is amazing like we're actually we're a real football team day. yeah so again yeah. like if you want to watch anything about option offense the every offensive play youtube video that we post every so often in rumble seat slack um is that's like that's that's the pinnacle you, you can't get better than that i mean the whole game we're getting seven eight nine yards of rush just play after play after play and it's so fun yeah like I have the advanced box score pulled up, and usually the thing that I has always said is that advanced stats hate the option. Like, they always hate the option, but every single run on here is positive EPA. They ended up netting uh, 25 total EPA on the, uh, on the night, which is just incredible for an option team to put together. Yeah. For for the dumb stats out there, I just pulled this up. 452 total rushing yards, 7.4 per rush. <laughs> it was so awesome. Oh, uh, it was so great. Uh, I have, yeah, 7.6 yards per yards per rush. Uh, yards per pass, uh, 9.6. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you, you know it's a good game 
when your amount of uh, rushing yards gets you basically from McCamish to Bobby Dodd, like that's <laughs> that's the standard right there. Yeah, we gotta out some kind of real world ruler on that. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to map it out, but I, I think we might be at time uh, or right on time to do that. So, Chris, thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming on so late in the day. Uh, and thank you for sharing your story about the Orange Bowl. Appreciate the time. Happy 100 episodes, y'all. Welcome back to the Science of the Southland 100th episode spectacular. Right now on this half hour, we have uh, from the Rumble Seats Director of Compliance, Magna Carter, GT, Carter Templeton with us. How are you doing tonight, Carter? I am doing great, fellas. Uh, it was a quiet Sunday filled with uh, putting away our Christmas decorations House feels a little empty. We just have to put in some other decorations. I've uh, I've got to ask. LSU shirt. Is there a story behind that, or you just like the the purple and gold? Uh, so I forgot that I was we were doing this today, and that's why I threw on this LSU <laughs> shirt. But uh, there there is there is a bit of a story, and the story is that uh, in a in an alternate alternate universe, um, I was a legacy admit at LSU and received. Uh, several thousands of dollars worth of scholarships uh, to go to school in Baton Rouge. Uh, this reality said, nah, who wants all that free money? Uh, I want to make sure that I go to a hard school and uh, maybe develop, uh, you know, anxiety issues. Uh, and, and have lots Georgia of Georgia Tech. <laughs> you know, it was a tough choice. I could, I could have partied in Baton Rouge four years, or I could have, you know, had my, had my uh, whole psyche crushed, uh, in Atlanta in one year and have to rebuild it the next three. Yeah. Well, there, uh, there you go, I guess. Uh, no. Um, but, uh, it sounds like, it sounds like that was, that was a big draw, right. Was, was coming to tech being challenged, right. I'm sure that was out of, out of the comfort zone. At least it was for me coming in from out of state. Yeah. Way out of my comfort zone. I, I knew that I wanted to get far away from, uh, from Dallas where I grew up. Uh, and so that was kind of the driving force behind where I applied. I was like, well, all these, you know, uh, North Carolina is out in the East Coast, Georgia Tech's out in the East Coast. Sure, applied to Northwestern. I had never been to Chicago before. Chicago's Big Ten team. Yeah. You know, in an alternate universe, we could have both gone to Northwestern, Jake. That, been, uh, <laughs> you know. that is true. Um, I, I preferred not to be a, a two-seat ride from my house on the train, though. Um, you could but, have been uh, to Dillgrads. I don't think I'm a journalism guy. I say talking on the podcast for this big J journal yeah. website. Um, but, been, uh, uh, yeah, well, we've been do this, do this podcast, uh, you know, for, uh, from, from the L train. <laughs> from, from the, from the spaceship that landed on the beach. Uh, yeah. I, L train seat, a lot less comfortable than the wreck. I gotta say as much, as much as I'm a stand for the CTA, but. Uh, the wreck seats are, Comfort is not that car is not built for comfort. Let's be clear. I, I I think Akshay and I here would be talking from a position of privilege, having exposure to it. But but you're a band guy, right? Like, uh, did you guys get to interact with the wreck as, at all when you were in the band, or, or not really? Um, well, uh, during my time at the band, uh, there was the great uh, you know wreck club GT band feud. Oh, uh, I remember you know, the legendary, the legendary tiff between the two, uh, 
you know, kind of secret keeper organizations of, of the Institute over, over, over rat caps and how they were supposed to be presented. And there was, you know, there's this seasons long war, blood was shed, lives were lost, uh, horrible Twitter parody accounts were created and then deleted. It was, uh, it was a rough time. And all the while, Anak was just sitting there stroking their fingers going, excellent. Feuds. <laughs> their plans were coming to fruition. Yeah, exactly. Incredible. Yeah. Secret societies, gotta love them. Yeah. Um, so what year did you get to tech, Carter? I got to tech in 2007, the uh, Chan Gailey's last hurrah. Was it a fun hurrah? I assume not, given that, you know, he left the next year. Um. You know, there were, there were parts of it were fun. Uh, Clemson came into town in early October. They were ranked 13th, and they kicked five field goals in that game. Um, one of those field goals went through the uprights. <laughs> That's a sickos game. Now I have to find that box score. Oh, it's great. Uh, I believe the final was 13-3. to three. Uh, Yeah, Clemson had four missed field goals and a punt blocked. Oof. Great, you know, great special teams emphasis oh, uh, for no. the Tigers that, that afternoon. Was, was there relentless effort in all caps? Yeah, yeah that punt block was uh, by, uh, you know, legend of the flats, DJ Donnelly. Uh, a name you definitely surely remember. How could, because how could you forget? It, it, it was really interesting talking to little Jake earlier because he's, he's a lifelong tech fan. And uh, he was talking about a game that like I had never like I knew enough to know that like Deshaun Watson tore his ACL, but like other than that, I'm like, it's weird. Like that exists completely outside of my time frame. And and I will say that is a name. I've heard a lot of names, the tech related sports, not sports. Never heard that one before, to be completely honest. Uh, I'm sure you know, you've I, heard a, oh, sorry, go ahead, Carter. No, I mean, DJ Donnelly famous for that punt block and then uh, transferring to Purdue, I think the next season. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he had, entire he 15 career. yards, 15 yards on punt returns in that game. That's right. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was him, him and him and my roommate uh, were the only two uh, uh, people from his high school that went to tech that year. Huh. So uh, I had a per- there's a personal connection there. Yeah. yeah. For me to. Uh, it, it's just like how me and Iman are, uh, Iman Shumpert are, are one and the same. You know, he, he came from Oak Park. He's an NBA champion. I came from Oak Park and I live on Fort, you know, like that we're just really on the same level. Yeah, it's, it's totally the same. Mm-hmm. But I, I, while I'm looking at this, I want to give a shout out to Durant Brooks for having seven punts for an average of 49 yards. Very nice punting game. I did not appre- yet appreciate uh, the value of a good punt game. You know, I was, I was 18 and didn't understand it. Yeah. Um, so I take it your 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 high or your fuzzy tech memory was not 07 then, but uh, leading into that, uh, I, I'm sure 08 and 09 had to be pretty special. Say what you will about you know year couple of years after that, but you got you got two solid years there on on the flats for sure, didn't you? Oh yeah, uh, you know coming into 08, um, I mean prior to that, you know yeah. So as you mentioned, Changeli uh, was. Uh, was asked to leave uh, nicely after the following the 2007 season. And there was a lot of questions about who Georgia Tech should hire. And I, I you know, me and all my knowledge of college football at the time, I, I was seeing who was, who was hot. I was like, you know, there's this really good coach up 
in the Northeast. Uh, that guy, Randy Edsel at UConn. <laughs> I think Georgia Tech should take a look at that guy. Uh, but you know, we didn't complete or, seriousness. Was that an actual suggestion at the time? I mean, UConn had a one good big East season to be fair. And that was a season uh, they were, you know, he built something there up in stores. Um, I don't know where they played was. in East Hartford. <laughs> oh, oh, poor UConn. Um, Sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, I, uh, I don't know if anyone else was clamoring for, for Randy Edsall in 2007. Uh, I was, but this was before Twitter was as big uh, as it is now, or even as big as it was in 2010. So, you know, I didn't have, I uh, couldn't just tweet at um, Dan Radakovich. Be like, hey, <laughs> at, at hey, GTD Rad, buddy, should take a look at the let guy me, up in Connecticut. Let me tell you, do I got a deal for you? We never uh, would have had the civil conflict if that would have worked out. A shame. A shame. Yeah. They may. <laughs> I can't believe you lost the trophy. <laughs> so I, I noted here, Carter, that you, you've given us a couple of, of ideas for, for those highlights. Did you, did you whittle it down? Or are they equal? Like, uh, I'm, I've been on the edge of my seat because one of these games I've heard a lot about and the other I just don't think I know nearly as much about. So I, I, I cheated a bit and looked at the sheet after, uh, you know, after I put my stuff down, I see who, who is, who is next and what they picked. So I, rather than having kind of, uh, any kind of conflict or, uh, crossover there, I figured I'd pick the one that hadn't been mentioned before. And that would be the, uh, 2009 football game at FSU, uh, you know, in a year full of really fun, high-scoring games from the, you know, from, for Georgia Tech football, um, that one for me is probably um, the peak, the the zenith of all that. And it's probably not a popular opinion because uh, there are a lot of other really good games. But uh, this one for me was special because um, uh, – I this so FSU. Um, this was you know this was this was in Tallahassee, uh, a place that Georgia Tech, up to that point, had never won. Um, if I pull up the Winsipedia here, you know all 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 of Tech's wins early on in the series, all of those games were in Atlanta. Uh, then when Florida State uh, joined the ACC in the '90s and they started going home and home, you know. Uh, FSU won every single one of those in the nineties and early two thousands until uh, Paul Johnson came and uh, pulled a, pulled a pretty big upset in 2008. So 2009, this is the first time uh, since the divisions had split that Georgia Tech's going to Tallahassee. And this is a full band away trip, which is something that is pretty uncommon. We, you know, we go, we play Clemson every year, the two hours away, we're in full band. We, play in Athens every, every year. We play, we play in Athens every year and we bring the full band. They're 70 miles away, but we don't bring the full band anywhere else. It's too far and costs a lot of money to do that. But I, some, some decision, probably a few people's decisions to say, Hey, yeah, let's give the band enough money to send the whole band down to Tallahassee. That's seven coaches, you know, seven coach buses. Wow. Full of people. <laughs> And Woo! a large, large brass instrument 
and um, you know we'll put them up for for the weekends. Like, I, uh, yeah. I was I was gonna say I've I've led a flotilla of, of four CRC twelve passenger vans to Tallahassee, but I can't imagine the logistics that go into to bringing three hundred and fifty or some some kids to to another state four hours away. I'm also imagining just that many college kids in in Tallahassee, which is a completely different experience in terms of college town from Midtown Atlanta, and it's just bewildering what could have gone on on that trip did you guys get a whole hotel then or or how did that even work like on a game day that's got to be impossible to find uh they they must have planned this out pretty well in advance uh because they were this is a it was a pretty big hotel and with a couple of different buildings and we were out some people were in i think the main hotel we were out in like one of the i don't want to call it a villa but like it was like one of the smaller little houses that had like three or four rooms. And that's where I, and like the, the four people I was uh, rooming with for that trip, we were out there um, that Friday night, you know, we had the option to, to take a, take a couple of buses into uh, PCB, which Woo. I was like, sure, that sounds great. Um, I was 19 at the time. So that was probably <laughs> not really a, the wisest decision because there wasn't much I could really get up to. Um, womp womp. but I, I, you know, that was a decision I made. Uh, it sounds like people had a lot of fun back at the hotel. I'm like, I'll share on that, but good, good, good. Um, one thing I noted, you, you did the, the top 10 of the last 10, uh, to celebrate, uh, CPJ's 10th year. Um, just, you know, back in, in 2018, I don't, I don't know if you touched on, on this game. Did you at all, at least in terms of the gameplay, right? No, so this this game was not actually on uh, that list of the top ten of the last ten. Um, I did end up writing about it, I think, in twenty in twenty twenty uh, in anticipation of the season opener at FSU uh, that year. But no, I did not include it in the top ten, and I would stand by that. Honestly, I think okay. I think all those games are still better than this game. Um, but for me personally, this is like. This had a real this I, I had a real connection to this game personally and uh, a lot of those games I wrote about although they are the best games of that era I didn't get to go see I like most people watch it on a television screen yeah and I was at this game and that's why it means a lot to me and it's why I wanted to talk about this game yeah makes makes complete sense and and I'm pretty sure the only exposure I have to this game is is your preview in in 2020 lead, leading into it so very interested as what you have to say in in terms of the dope because that is Definitely an interesting place to watch a game. Not that I've seen one there, but we did walk in a really big circle around it one time. But <laughs> it's a it's a neat little circle. But yeah, yeah. so that's um, I don't remember the exact date actually. No, I have it right up here. I it's, have it uh, October eleventh, oh nine is what I have. Okay, I'm seeing October tenth, but uh, either way, it's that that second weekend in October. Um, yeah, so this is this is an evening kickoff in Tallahassee, uh, early October, um, and at that point in the year, um, you know, supposedly the weather is starting to cool off, and maybe it had in the Florida Panhandle, but everything's relative when it comes to weather. And that day and evening, it was hot and muggy and really gross. Honestly, like really, Atlanta like, summer kind of stuff. Atlanta summer kind of stuff for sure. Um, 
something I hadn't yet experienced, but uh, yeah, like definitely that just like really you stand outside for five minutes and you're just like, Oh, I feel nasty. I feel like I've just taken a bath outside. So imagine that and you're wearing these like polyester uniforms that cover, you know, your arms and legs and all that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, just, just to just add cooking, to it. just cooking from the inside. I, the I, I distinctly recall the, the, one of the Memorial day parades uh, when I was a high school marching band kid uh, and I was playing snare that day marching that three miles through town in, in the polyester in like 85. I'm, I'm sure it was much worse in the Tallahassee humidity than, than that could ever be. But yeah, that Florida, that Florida swamp weather, uh, just, just, just accentuates everything. It's, it's awful. I've, yeah. I've never been, I've never been more excited to see, uh, the, uh, people from the opposing band bring us, uh, water. Oh. Is that like a thing that that like bands do, Did, or is that just like a hey, we know you're dying, like we're we're gonna bring you some some hospitality? It depends. Uh, in this case, I think it was definitely the latter. I think I think I think the Florida State band is probably well aware of the general atmospheric conditions uh, in Tallahassee, especially that time of the year and in September as well. I'm sure it's way worse, but um, oh god, yeah. yeah. So it is. It is this hot, muggy prime time game you know first first visit to tallahassee for georgia tech in six years paul johnson's trail first and only time there actually looking at the schedule um and florida state at this time because georgia, georgia tech georgia tech's really hot right at this point you know they've won uh what Three, they won. You know, they they opened up four and one. Just had this big win over Mississippi State and Starkville, um, and so they they've got a big old number next to their name, and they're coming in hot against FSU, who is going undergoing some some tumult uh, on their end. Um, this is two thousand nine. Uh, it turned out to be Bobby uh, Bobby Bowden's final season in Tallahassee, and they've been the, the Seminoles got off to a really rough start, and so things kind of boiled over um, for the Knowles faithful. And when, when it comes to Bobby Bowden and, you know, there started to be this kind of movement to, to fire their legendary coach who'd been there for decades. Um, and so this was the, this is the first game for FSU since that had happened. And so you have a lot of people there who are like wearing black. It's some like as a symbolic gesture to say they're, they're kind of done with, with Bobby Bowden. A lot of people, showing up, you know, being actually supportive of Bobby Bowden. It's a really tough time for, for the Seminoles. Um, especially coming in against an opponent who's, you know, red hot and uh, pulled a big upset over them just the previous year. Yeah. But um, so this, this game gets started and I'm going to need to pull up the play-by-play real quick because uh, some of my memories are a little spotty. So bear with me for a second. It's no all so I'll come out editing, right? <laughs> yeah, we can always we can always edit it out. I'm so I have the at least the the scoring summary pulled up. So you start out with a FSU touchdown on their first drive. Tech answers. They basically trading touchdowns for most of this game, like it's a, like a standoff in the middle of the desert, and then the dam kind of breaks. 
late on, probably right at the middle of the third quarter, the points stop coming and then the game kind of slows to a crawl, it looks like. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, I want to see the drive summary. That's what I really want. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this is this was a classic kind of no defense game on both teams' parts. But um, so yeah, FSU gets the ball first. Um, they score in about four minutes. Georgia Tech gets the ball back. Uh, they run the ball a lot as they did to score. Uh, and then right after that first Georgia Tech touchdown, uh, just a bolt of lightning cracks the sky. And so they have to stop the game because there's, there's a thunderstorm in the area. And yes, so they've got to, you know, they got to clear everyone out of the stands. They got to clear the bands out of the stands. Um, the Georgia Tech band had been put up in the south end zone right underneath where like the, the visitor, the FSU visitor center kind of like overhangs yeah. these rows. Mm-hmm. And so we were, the, we were right underneath that. And, I, you know, mo- most when I, I know that when most schools come to Bobby Dodd, they get they put, put in the lower level. Yeah. <laughs> But FSU, um, I guess they'll put you in the upper level. And they thought that, I guess that would keep the noise down on our end. But uh, all our sound reverberated off the bottom of this overhanging visitor center back onto the field. So that backfired on them. Yeah. Anyway, this this, this thunderstorm starts and they, they put us out in the concourse because that's, I mean, where else are they going to put all these people? We just have to sit there and like endure this for an hour. So remember when I said, you know, remember I said, like, it's already hot and muggy. Now you're bringing all these people, like, all of these people into these concourses where it's just going to get even worse. Yes. I actually, this happened at the 2014 Duke game that was at at Bobby Dodd, too, when a thunderstorm just came out of nowhere at halftime. And so it's not only humid and muggy on the field level, but then it's pouring rain everyone stuffed into the concourse underneath i was in the south end zone it was just like tons of people underneath there and it was nasty like just could not breathe levels of humidity under there that that's really interesting to to hear you guys talk about a, a real thunderstorm rainstorm situation because i've only seen two i guess three because there's a one rain game this year two thunderstorm storm games in my career of, of, of tech football watching both were at Clemson and one was oh, torrential rain for the entire game, like soak you to the core, to the bone 2017 game, basically a hurricane. You can probably hear the car going by out here. Um, and the other was this year at Clemson, where it didn't really rain at all. And there was thunder and lightning. So you had the humidity, you had that, but it, I, I don't know. I guess I've just, I, I don't know. It, it's very weird to have two separate experiences because they don't, they definitely don't add up to that is, is what I, I mean, for since that Duke game, it has not rained at a Bobby Dodd home game. Since. It, it, rained, like, it, it, it rained on homecoming this year, didn't it? Or, it, or it I, no, it just, it just, well, it sprinkled, but it wasn't like game stopping or game affecting rain. Yeah, that's fair. 
I was also at that 2017 game at Clemson. Yeah, I just remember being completely wet for several hours. And yeah. Doing a not enjoyable experience. You're, you're a band guy, too. Um, I was sitting right behind the band because I put the students right up behind the band mm-hmm. in, the, in the West End Zone there. And uh, the poor car guard girls who were in the front row, there's a big brick wall. Uh, and then yes. that front row, it had been raining so long like basically for two days straight at that point that there was like standing water in that front row where they were all like standing to like it you know poor sousaphones in front of us were just like using the sousaphone to like try and keep oh no leaning over a little bit you know trying to like be like a little bit of a a tent or or shower but so i I take it the game did not end on time at least in, in in tallahassee no, I said it was an hour delay. It might have been longer than that. Um, if you ever, if you ever watch like the replay or like, you know, the GT Bob replay, uh, rest in peace. You know, they they cut away midway through the first quarter, and they, you know, it's just kind of a seamless cut back from that. But it was a very long delay during which I'm sure ESPN cut to, you know, some other game going on. Uh, but we come back. So that game, I believe, it kicked off. That was a night night kick. So it kicked off at. It probably kicked that one probably kicked at eight. So it's already late. So mm-hmm. it's the midway of the first quarter. It's probably around 9:30. We're getting back into play. And we have played about seven minutes, yeah, eight minutes of game time. Um so FS, you know, FSU gets the ball back. Uh they score pretty quickly. Georgia Tech gets the ball. They score in in two plays. Um Anthony Allen gets gets the gets the ball in the first play and runs it all the way down to the one, and then Nesbitt punches in for a touchdown. And uh, it's just it's that's that's the story of this game, which is going back and forth, back and forth until someone uh, couldn't score, and uh, that ended up being FSU uh, late late in the game. Uh, but you know, it's, you know, not not from not from you know. Certainly, they they were doing their best to keep up with Georgia Tech. Um, just wasn't enough. Um, there's a there's a somewhat famous uh, halftime halftime interview is Bobby Bounds walking off the field. Uh, the sideline reporter, who I do not remember who that was, is you know is asking him about the game, and he he just sounds flummoxed for a few seconds. He just just puts out, what? Like, "We don't know who to tackle." <laughs> Uh, I mean, pretty much he's exactly not like wrong. He's not wrong about his team. I mean, at that point, he's allowed 35 points and only put up 28 in response. It's uh, look, looking tough for, for a Bobby Bowden defense there. Wait, well, I thought FSU was winning 35 to 28 at half. Do I have this backward? Oh, well, he's still allowed 28 points, to be fair. But uh, so the – yeah, so there's – there I there's a lot of big plays by Georgia Tech. I believe Jonathan Dwyer had a really nice uh, 69-yard run in the second quarter. Uh, but there's one play in the third uh, that really cemented Joshua Nesbitt's uh, legendary status uh, amongst Georgia Tech faithful. And this is uh, – it was, it was an option play. And – Nesbitt runs right and pitches it. I believe it was supposed to be for Roddy Jones, uh, current ESPN uh, commentator, Roddy Jones. Um, it's a little behind, and Jones drops it. 
and I believe it was, it was, I can't remember if it was Reed for uh, FSU or not sure, but he picks it up and he immediately is met by Joshua Nesbitt, who somehow wrests the ball out of that guy's hands <laughs> and gets the ball back. So it's a double turnover on the play. Nice. Oh, now I have to find this in the play-by-play. Georgia Tech keeps – yeah, let's see. Let's see. Right. Okay, I see third quarter, Josh Nesbitt, no gain, fumbled it. No, that's not it. Uh, Josh, no, they, they – no. It's a good thing I know. The, the, what's, what's the search on YouTube here? Hold on. I'm very curious about how this looks in the play-by-play. I'm, 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 I'm uh, finding the relative relevant YouTube right now. So third quarter. No, hold on. Let the third quarter. Second and six, Georgia Tech, round seven minutes, 45 seconds. So, yeah, midway midway through the third quarter here. Second and six, you said? Uh, that's second and six. All right, so I see a second and seven at the 46. That might all be. I have is, no, all I have is, is – no, I have is – This right? is second and six at the 22. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely missing uh, missing some uh, plays. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. because the, the time of possession on this game is only like forty minutes. So yeah, so I've got the drive open here. Yeah, there's a big like gap. There's a big gap. It says first and ten, the Georgia Tech forty three, and then first and ten. Yeah, this is this is not right at all. You love to see it. Uh, ESPN. You, Imagine building products on, on top of ESPN. Carter, Who would do Carter, that? I did want to say one thing. Uh, the thing that when I was first going over this, uh, this play-by-play that stuck out to me is the uh, probably the epitome of how the option could like, you know, uh, really hide a great pass play in, in plain sight. That being the, uh, the 73-yard uh, strike to Demarius Thomas, kind of to get tech on the board first um in the in the second half that that was something that that came to mind for me at least that was a they fun popped play. that as the first play out of the half that was a fun wow. one because uh someone i can't remember someone is trying to you know someone is trying to defend thomas and they they draw a flag for pass interference uh mm-hmm. because demarius thomas is like probably eight inches taller than this guy <laughs> and like he's not like whatever he's gonna do, he's not gonna keep Thomas from catching that ball. Yeah. Um, and so he he does whatever that defender was, uh, you know, God bless him. But uh no, he he tries his best, but uh Thomas handles this ball easily, runs it in, uh penalty pass interference declined. Um it's one of those plays. But yeah, I just I just sent the link by the way the YouTube link of that play. It's, it's like a, it's not even a minute long and it's in just horrible, horrible quality, honestly. Um, 2009 was a wild time. I tried to play it. Oops. 
<laughs> oh, he but just okay. wrestles it away from the other guy. <laughs> and the, I think the only person they may have charged that to Embry Peoples instead of Josh Nesbitt, because the only person that you can see in the frame as the camera zooms is Embry Peoples. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I appreciate him smacking the ground because he's so mad he didn't that he didn't get the fumble. That's uh, that is. Uh, that's uh, it's, it's just a just a rough pitch for Roddy there. The um, the game ending five minute drive that Tech had where they just ran seven plays and ate a bunch of clock brings back some good good option memories too. That was a fun because uh, you know even even in that last drive, all you know Florida State just needed to get the ball back and they had a shot to to win the game. And so I know that Tech is getting uh, close to the – they're getting pretty far deep into FSU territory at this point. And I think we get a, we're get we at a crucial third down. And I just remember the, the FSU PA just plays like this, this bell ringing. Like it's like the – it's like, the, you know, it's like the midnight bell basically, even though at this yeah. point it is literally after midnight Eastern time. Yeah, that's how that's how late this game has gone. It's like you know, uh, they ring they they play that they ring they ring this bell. Uh, I'm trying to get this third down stop, trying to get the ball back, trying to get one last shot, and um, Josh Mendez keeps the ball and runs for 17 yards to uh, put the game away. Bum bum and bum. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's. Uh... That's quite a game. I uh, hell of a game. I definitely need to go. Uh, that's the problem with a lot of these is there's no good way to go back and uh, and see them, especially without you know the the aforementioned GT Bob. But got to do some crimes, Jake. Got to do some light crimes. Yeah. As the internet uh, crimes aren't director, real crimes. As the director of compliance, I uh, cannot condone such committing of crimes. Uh, <laughs> so please uh, do that without me knowing. Fair enough. If you have information about a light internet crime, please email compliance at FTRS.com. Do not slander the names of these young men on Twitter. Hey, I'm a man. I'm 40. I can take it. Are You're we not even close to 40. There? Mixing memes, that's that's always dangerous. But too much. Anyways, too much. Anyways, um, we do appreciate it and, and the insight as always, Carter. Yeah, uh, it was, for it was on great, great reminiscing about this game. Uh, unfortunately, Zoom is about to cut us off. I wish we could talk a little bit more, uh, especially considering how long this game was. Because you said, like you said, past midnight Eastern. With, yeah, with the delay, we're talking four and a half hours at least. ACC it's after dark, fun. baby. Way, is, way after dark. Definitely way after bad. dark. This is definitely the game I've learned the most about today, I think, from, from talking to everyone. Yeah. That's good because I know – because I saw – looking at the list, I saw a lot of, like, really popular ones that people want to talk about, and understandably so. So I wanted to pick something that was a little off the beaten path, but uh, it's a fun one, especially for those who remember it or were there. Or just remember that Josh Nesbitt, uh, you know, fumble, steal. Yeah. That's uh, Absolutely. again, if I can find it on TV, I, I, I'll have to record it on YouTube TV. If, if ACC network decides to ever do one of those best of where they play where they play the same game three times in one day or whatever. 
Mm. But yeah. Cool. Well, thank you again. Uh, and we'll, we'll see if we can have you on uh, in the future to talk about another game. Yes. Soon. And, and as always, uh, for anyone listening, if you have any compliance issues, please reach out to me at Magna Carta Live on Twitter and um, they will be responded to in a timely and appropriate manner. The time will be of my Three to four business the, days, yeah. right? Time will be of my choosing. The appropriateness will also be of my choosing. <laughs> hey, that's <laughs> what I like to hear. Thanks, Carter. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. For the finale of Signs of the Southlands 100th episode special, we have the uh, former owner and proprietor of uh, from the Rumble Seat, Mr. Joey Weaver, with us from Houston, Texas. How are you doing today, sir? Akshay, Jake, it is is an absolute pleasure and an honor to be with you all. Um, congratulations, first off, on 100 episodes here. Um, absolute, uh, you know, proud of you guys, excited for you guys, and uh, absolute joy being able to join you here with uh, tonight as we record in the evening. Oh, crap, it's 945. We've been we doing this a while. I was going to say, we're definitely glad to have you. Uh, also, yeah. I don't know if you can call him the owner of, of, of From the Rumble Seat, but proprietor definitely Definitely was very true for a long time. Look, look, I like using the owner and proprietor of S&P Plus bit from old uh, or OGPAPN. Mm-hmm. And I try to weasel it into as many things as I can these days. If, if I could be, be like, you know, part owner of Vox, I would be OK with that. That, that, that is fair. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if you haven't caught on yet, uh, many of our bits are recycled and repurposed from other places with, with new sourcing. <laughs> but but yes, technically, you know, imitation is the best form of flattery. Number one. And number two, nothing is ever original. Everything is a copy. Uh, eat at Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, Joey, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. We can uh, kind of get towards uh, eventually this this uh, this game, this memory you're talking about. But as we've been going through with everyone else, we're just kind of talking about uh, how you got how you got into the tech sphere uh maybe a little bit about uh about how you got involved with the site and then uh talking about you know just something that you look back and and makes you smile one of one of the good maps yeah so uh, you know i guess tech fandom started i was probably around 10 years old or so and so this would have been you know maybe uh, i was probably eight or nine when george o'leary uh was finishing up his time and you had a couple really good seasons with joe hamilton and uh goose godsey some of those guys and so I think at some point, you know, it was like, well, you know, you, you, you become aware of college football when you're a, uh, a kid growing up in Metro Atlanta and you get, you know, you get to decide, do you want to be a Georgia fan or a Georgia Tech fan? And I guess I was that weird kid that was like, well, I want to cheer for Georgia Tech, like, because they got a good football team. Um, and, and, you know, I just decided that early on, not knowing a whole lot of anything else about what was going on. Um, and it uh, turns out that's ended up where I went and did my undergrad. Um, I don't know why I call it that because I haven't had, I don't have a master's or anything like that, but um, that's, that's where I ended up going to college. And it was, uh, that was a, a pleasure, you know? And so um, that was exciting uh, getting to then join in and, and be a student in the student section for a team that I've cheered for, for, you know, so many years. Um, and really what happened was I, I got active, you know, commenting in the, from the rumble seat uh, comment section back in 2010 2011 the heyday of online blogging oh yeah yeah oh that was there were some uh there was some serious html work being done back then um <laughs> i, I and, was gonna say that the comment section used to be hundreds in a given day on this on this here fine we site. went back and looked at one of them right we, we were trying to find out a moment in one of the games i think it was the oa 
or it was the it was either the 08 or the 14 game that we talked about earlier with with Jake or Robert, and we we like comb through one to try to find a specific moment that in the play by play that we couldn't figure out. There's like 300, 400 comments in there. Oh yeah, it, it got real active there for a while. Um, I, I guess what ended up happening was I, I, you know, I commented a lot on on the site there for a few months, and then at one point, uh, the the previous owner and proprietor before me, Winfield Tufts, uh, he he reached out to me and uh, my big brother in fraternity was Nate, who some might remember around here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he reached out to us and said, "Hey guys, like SB Nation is trying to make a push to cover recruiting a little better." Uh, did you want to come on and cover recruiting for us? I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and that was probably around Christmas time. So I did that for, you know, a couple months and then through the off season, it was like, well, nobody else is posting anything. So I'll just start, you know, posting whatever I feel like posting, whatever, um, did that for a few months. And then after, I mean, I had been on the site for maybe six months or something and Winfield said, Hey, I just got a new job. Uh, I don't have time to run the site anymore. Do you want to run it? <laughs> and there it was. And that's the kind of, you know, the rest is history, as they say. So um, it was kind of all by accident. But basically, that's how I got involved was just, you know, commenting and uh, someone took notice, I guess. Fair enough. So Fair enough. I wanted to actually, there was one thing that I was thinking of when you were talking through that. Um, Winfield and John Bird, I think, were the original mm-hmm. two guys, right? Yeah. Both of them were wreck drivers. I mean, mm-hmm. I assume people know where the name of the site comes from, but both of them were mm-hmm. wreck drivers. Bird was 07. I think Winfield was 10. I think he was 09. I have, I have a, I, I, when I was in record, I put together you literally a site made the rec history website. How do you not? <laughs> yeah, know yeah that's what I was thinking. I was like, I, I, I know where to find this somewhere. Okay. Oh. So Bird was seven and then Winfield was, was 09. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the, the site before that, I guess, before from the Rumble Seed, it was actually called uh, the Legacy X3, I think. Because Winfield, I believe, was the third generation of Tufts men in particular, I believe, to go to Georgia Tech. And uh, after that, his two brothers, uh, names escaping me at the moment. Sorry if you're listening. I, I really am. It's just on the spot. Um, uh, they ended up at Tech as well. And, uh, you know, I was there around the same time that they were. So it was, it was cool kind of meeting them and hanging out with them from time to time. Gotcha. I think one of them after Winfield was in rec club, but I, name started with a K. Carson. Car, Carson. 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 It was Carson. Yeah. Thanks for the help. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I remember some things occasionally. <laughs> yeah. This, this is why, uh, this is why you get paid the big bucks. Actually. I've, I've never, the I, nice check a, that I get from drivers. Every month. <laughs> but so, so I, I guess, you kind of gave us a couple options here uh, on the sheet of what you're, what you're going to go into, but um, mm-hmm. so, so what, what was that high? I mean, it sounds like a lot of people have tied it to a, a moment when they were in school. I think, mm-hmm. I think everyone except little Jake and he, he obviously goes to school. So, so yeah, it was a student memory then. For me, yeah, I would say so. Um, there are two games that stick out. One was actually my senior year of high school and this was the 2008 Georgia game. Um, And that was the game where they played in Sanford, you know, Paul Johnson's first year. And uh, part of what made that fun for me was the context, because the girl I was dating at the time as a senior in high school was set to go to Georgia. Parents were huge Georgia fans, like had season tickets, the whole thing. Um, And they invited me to go to that game with them. And they and her stepdad in particular, I remember saying specifically, he's like, now you don't get to get in the car unless you are dressed head to toe in all your tech stuff. Like, you know, you're not going to hide it sitting in the middle of the Georgia stands. Like, you know, you're, you're going to be a tech fan if you're going like, all right, deal. Like, 
Um, <laughs> Game on. <you> know, yeah. <laughs> And it was a gross day. Like it was kind of kind of rainy, drizzly, you know, it was, and, and they were down like 28 to 12 at halftime, I want to say. And there was very much this feeling of like, oh, boy, here we go again. You know, just getting stomped by Georgia. And I remember going out into the terrace, you know, at the where the concession stands all are at halftime. And everyone's just, you know, making jokes about where they're going to get victory dinners after the game. And like it's a it's a foregone conclusion. And then it was like midway through the third quarter. Tech comes out of the locker room and scores three straight touchdowns and takes a 35 28 lead and just watching her stepfather in particular go from just like a, it's a big old party and nothing matters to like steaming mad like yelling obscenities and cursing the refs and like the whole thing i mean it was like it was hilarious um, and so tech ends up winning that game 45 42 and i mean being there and seeing a couple of the plays that was roddy jones skating down the sideline that was uh, John Dwyer had a, a touchdown run right up the middle, uh, coming out at halftime. So it was just, I don't know, a lot of great memories. And then the car ride home, I, I just, I was sitting there silent with this big, dumb smile on my face the whole time back. And he, you know, it was, so anyways, so the context there was what made that a lot of fun. Um, the other game that really sticks out to me was the 2009 Virginia tech game. So this was my freshman year of college. And so, yes, I was a freshman in the fall of 2009. I had a little bit of a spoiled uh, existence, and I think it uh, <laughs> infected my uh, perspective moving forward after that. Joey, I kind of had the, the diet version of that, being a, a freshman in the fall of 2016. Mm. And it's funny for you to be like, ah, yeah, I got spoiled, you know, a- ACC championship, you know, big top five upsets. And I'm like, haha, we won a Gator Bowl. And everyone... <laughs> You know, around me was like we got three wins. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're oh, yeah, spoiled for the three wins, my guy. I <laughs> I had the Orange Bowl. My the Orange Bowl was my senior year of high school, and I got three wins. But I got Miracle and Techwood, so I guess it it works out. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah that 2009 Virginia Tech game um, was just exciting for me. You know, I was, I was sitting in the stands uh, in the middle of my fraternity brothers, basically. And there was one point there was a a Virginia Tech couple that was in the student section with us that was, you know, through the early part of that game, the Hokies, and they were, that was a good Virginia tech team. They were number four in the country. They were undefeated, came in to play the homecoming game for Georgia tech at night at Bobby Dodd. And there was a couple of like Hokie fans there that were just, you know, mouthing off as, as Virginia tech took, you know, a 10, three lead or something like this. Yeah. And uh, at some point, Georgia tech just came storming back, scored a couple of big touchdowns, something like this. And at one point they are steaming, just like walking out of the stadium. Like we're done with this. And I turned around and look at him. I was like, Hey, where are you going? And uh, <laughs> the guy turns around, like he's ready to slug me. And there's like four fraternity brothers right behind me. Like, what was it you were going to do there? Like, you know, I'll, I'll help here. Um, but you know, winning that game, the way that they won it, I mean, at night and, um, it was a huge upset. You know, it was, I think tech was number, uh, number 19 at the time, but you know, that vaulted them up towards the top 10. We took the field goal post down and the tradition at Georgia tech is when you take the field goal post down, you take it to the lawn of the president president's house. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we took it there. You saw the whole thing up. I know people that got pieces. I mean, it was just an incredible night. Um, and, and doing that as a student, it was an absolute blessing and uh looking back on it, it was one of my fonder memories from college uh, was that night and that game and how the whole thing went it was incredible so yeah, i was at i guess i was at tech what like six years after that that was my freshman year because 2015 and mm-hmm. one of the fraternity houses that i had or from one of the fraternities that i had friends that they actually had like a good chunk of the corner uh of one of the goalposts in their basement on display and mm-hmm. it was 
super interesting to sort of learn about that story, learn about the game, and then see a piece of the goalposts from the last time you could actually knock the goalposts down mm-hmm. uh, that were that was there. That was real life. And it was, it had like signatures and, and graffiti on it and everything from brothers that have been there before. It was really cool. Joey, I got something for you. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact or weird fact now is I am 99.99% sure that if you did that and, and brought the goalposts to the president's lawn, knocked on the door, no one would answer because no one's home because I don't think Angel Cabrera lives in the president's house. <laughs> Wait, what? He lives in town some I mean, I, yeah. I think he and his kid or his kid went to tech. I'm pretty sure they were all like suburb Atlanta suburbs. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he, adjacent at least. Because he bikes in uh, from somewhere out uh, out on the east side every day. So I, I don't think anybody would would be home if you actually brought the goalposts there these days. Well, that would be awkward. There's a, there's a really <laughs> funny story from that night where uh, apparently Bud Peterson, the president at the time, was up in his box, you know, watching the game. And um, he's just there and, and obviously, you know, he's watching the, the field storming and the whole thing and they take the goalpost down and then they start carrying it out of the stadium through the tunnel, I believe, on the northwest side of the stadium. Uh, but he's still sitting there in his box kind of watching that. And uh, he looks at somebody, I don't know, somebody who's been around a little while says, hey, like, where are they going with that? And he's like, they're going to your house. Like, <laughs> oh, and so then he, I need to get there. Yeah. So he and his wife, you know, hightail it over to the president's house, basically. And uh, he they came out and addressed us when we got there. Basically said, you know, have fun, be safe, you know, something like that. Go jackets. And it's like, yeah. And then they like somebody got a sawzall out and just started hacking it into pieces. It was uh, it was pretty incredible. And then you're, so, you're correct. You're correct, too, though. That, that was the first of two times that we rushed the field while I was in college. The second one being the 2011 Clemson game, also homecoming, also undefeated opponent. Um, we rushed the field, and I just remember like trying to get on the field and looking down and being like, wait, where'd the goalposts go? And they had collapsed it because they oh. put the collapsible goalposts in as a safety mm-hmm. measure, which whatever. Boo. Fart noise, yeah. Take it anyway. Huh. So I I had, or for a couple of weeks ago, I had started combing through some of the faculty executive board meeting notes, trying to find... I think it was trying to find something related to athletic department funding, but I came across that games weekend, the 09 BT games weekend. And it was just so interesting to read how the faculty, how Bud Peterson had responded to the whole thing. And he was like, Oh, we're like, Oh, we're glad everyone's okay. We had like a couple isolated incidents, but, but GTPD was able to take care of it. Uh, Dan Radakovich was like, okay, we now have to pay a fine to the, to the ACC. We'll, we'll take care of it. But it, it, it was like, Right. You know, nothing happened. Nothing like no serious property damage other than the goalposts. Everyone's OK. Like we're, we're all good. And it was mm-hmm. just really cool to see that other side of it where you kind of, I, I think at least my generation of tech students sort of antagonized Bud a little bit based <laughs> on some of the stances that he took on 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 Greek life and some of the other mm. policies that he had. But seeing how I mean, unironically cool he was about this whole incident was just eye-opening and kind of enlightening about how that other side lives. Yep. Yep. No. And it's, I mean, you're correct that like, it definitely feels like that was a time where everything was a little bit more uh, laissez-faire around campus, you know, and um, you, you could get away with a lot more and it was more of uh, you know, everyone having a good time to, to some degree. And over time, it just seems like there's elements of that that kind of chipped away. Um, but again, I, I, I was, I was blessed. I was spoiled to be able to, you know, do all that as a freshman and, and have those memories, you know, it's, 
I'm, I'm hoping there's at least a couple people listening to this that were also students and, uh, you know, kind of remember being there and doing that that night as well. It was it was a hell of a time. It's uh, yeah. it's wild to think about how you think of, uh, of things as being stagnant or not not really changing, you know, like because to, to be honest, like between me and Akshay, Akshay, you like there, there's not that big of a gap. Right. But it's, it's still interesting to see not only in the football program, but like you said, with just like um, how some of the bigger picture stuff changes as as time goes on is is pretty interesting too um Mm -hmm. and i I think if you you ask somebody from the 70s or 80s they'd say even then like yeah the stuff that we could get away with or do or yeah activity the stealing the tea so much different than people got away with in like the 90s even the Mm -hmm. 90s let alone like further than that the, getting away with the stealing the like stealing the tees on the top of Tech Tower in the nineties with mm-hmm. a minimal injury and the lack of like civil lawsuits <laughs> pushed against you from the state of Georgia. Well, just it's, some, it's, it's fun. It's a joke, right, guys? Right. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> right. No. Expulsion. <laughs> yeah. One one other fun little note about that Virginia Tech game, too, is if you are uh if you're familiar with kind of the connection that Georgia Tech has with the song All the Way Turned Up by roscoe dash and someone else anyways um that was the game where that kind of became a thing so there had been a couple of games before that where they had like had one of those scoreboard you know pump up the crowd things where they were showing the players doing this like dance you know pump up the people all that and then but there was no sound and like never you couldn't figure out what it was and then at some point like in the third quarter that virginia tech game was when they got the sound working and the stadium (laughs) lost it and as you're carrying the goalpost down fowler street and all that every fraternity house is just blasting that song so that's that's the other fun thing was that song was associated with that particular game that night that's fun um fun fact uh he actually played uh i think either sigma chi or lambda chi uh the night of the dublin football game so the uh football team came home to uh to to that uh going on right down the street and you know that was the whole you know the team's back kind of kind of thing oh yeah that celebration yep yeah um but uh i don't know if zoom's gonna kick us off but uh <laughs> it, it was great hearing from you and and as always talking with you and uh i don't want to slam the door and take akshay's hosting duties away from him but uh i, I think you've already do, done that buddy <laughs> uh yeah, yeah um but joey always a pleasure um gotta get you on more often and uh absolutely Def- definitely great to talk to you. I know, know you're a busy man and out in God's time, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, cheers, cheers, guys. Congrats again on a hundred episodes. Uh, look forward to doing it again sometime soon. All right. Great. Absolutely. Thank you so much.